Bell staff. You have entered the door to the north. You are now by yourself, standing in a dark room. The pungent stench of mildew emanates from the wet dungeon walls. Where are the Cheetos? They're right next to you. I cast a spell. Where's the Mountain Dew? In the fridge, duh. I want to cast a spell. Can I have a Mountain Dew? Yes, you can have a Mountain Dew. Just go get it. I can cast any of these, right? On the list? Yes, any any of the first level ones. I'm going to get a soda. Anyone want one? Hey, Graham, I'm not in the room, right? What room? I want to cast magic missile. The room where he's casting all these spells from. He hasn't cast anything yet. I am, though, if you'd listen. I'm casting magic missile. Why are you casting magic missile? There's nothing to attack here. I, I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. You attack the darkness. There's an elf in front of you. Whoa, that's me, right? He's wearing a, a, a brown tunic, and he has gray hair and blue eyes. No, I don't. I have gray eyes. Let me see that sheet. Well, it says I have... Well, it says I have blue, but I decided I wanted gray eyes. Whatever. Okay, you guys can talk to each other now if you want. Hello. Hello. I am Galstaff, Sorcerer of Light. Then how come you had to cast Magic Missile? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you guys are being attacked. Do I see that happening? No, you're outside by the tavern. Cool, I get drunk. <sighs> there, are, there are seven ogres surrounding you. How could they surround us? I had Morton Titan's Magical Watchdog cast. No, you didn't. I'm getting drunk. Are there any girls there? I totally did. You asked me if I wanted any equipment before this adventure, and I said no. But I need material components for all my spells. So I cast Mordenkind's Faithful Watchdog. But you never actually cast it. Roll the dice to see if I'm getting drunk. <sighs> yeah, you are. Are there any girls there? Yeah. I did, though. I completely said when you asked me. No, you didn't. You didn't actually say that you were casting the spell. So now there's ogres, okay? Ogres? Man, I got an ogre slaying knife. It's got a plus nine against ogres. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Okay, but if there's any girls there, I want to do that. When I wake up in the morning, in the morning, by the morning, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. By the time I get my books and I get myself a look, I'm at the corner just in time to see the bus fly by. It's all right, because I'm straight out of jail. It's a teacher from the test, I know I hit a mess, and I dug it on my homework last night. Riding low in my chair, she won't know that I'm there. If I can hand it in the bottle, it'll be all right. It's all right, because I'm straight out of jail. Really loud. 
All right, but you know, it's, it's, it's totally understandable today because Matt Green came in yesterday and spent about four hours in here with a wrench and a blowtorch. God love that guy. Ooh, I'm loud, too. No, everybody, everybody's going to be a little loud right off the bat, so you might want to turn Timmy down preemptively. <laughs> he does tend to project a little bit. Uh, the word from Engineer Matt is that every microphone in the studio ought to be working today. Uh, so Timmy, though, is on microphone three as opposed to microphone two. That Which is, is why I couldn't hear him. There you go. Am I on? There you are. All right. All right. Why, hello. It's six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 of this, the month of March, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Uh, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Southern State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it is Friday. And uh, welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. If you'd like to uh, join us today, 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970 is the telephone number. Richie DeBristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the offensive, or whatever it is you have in mind today. It's 503-733-2970. Oh, you don't even know. Did you hear those other Dice of Destiny sounders that Aaron made? Oh, I sure did. Oh, they're fantastic. So I've so we've not only got the uh, there we go. That's the uh, that's just the regular Dice of Destiny sounder, and then we've got Dice of Destiny losing sounder and Dice of Destiny winning sounder. So we'll have to we'll have to use those later on today. Uh, 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us with your comments, clarifications, kvetches, two cents. Speaking of kvetches, let me just stop and say this about that. Sarah saw me scrambling around like a a rat on the Lusitania today, trying to find the Muppet Show theme in Hebrew, which I do possess because I gave it to Court and Fatboy a while back. Because we were talking about the Muppet Show and something or other and Yiddish and blah, 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 blah. And I sent it to those guys. And I think Mike Chase is originally the one who gave it to me. It's like I'm talking about a cold sore. Anyway, I, uh, but, but Mike Chase had gotten, he had the Muppet Show uh, theme in Hebrew, which I think he burned to me, and then I, and I gave a copy to Court and Fatboy, and then this morning I couldn't find it at all. I'm going to try to find it later on. Anyway, it's 503-733-2970. It is uh, Friday. Coming up today, we have CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who will be uh, joining us uh, from the Hill as we talk about the uh, face-off in Florida and Michigan, uh, which will be... Uh, I believe Either. it was called the primary scramble. Is that what it's called? Yeah. There we go. Primary scramble. Sounds like some sort of a thing that they would be serving at a Florida Denny's. Anyway, uh, we got uh, Lisa Desjardins about that. Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us uh, from New York City, where I guess now that I guess the conversation is not turned from what's his guts, uh, Governor Spitzer. And today's his last day in office. So today's the day when he does the big, long, uh, awkward series of goodbyes where he stops by everybody's cubicle, and he promises to stay in touch, and they promise to send him an email. None of those things will happen. Or everybody, this is the other thing that's going to be happening at Governor Spitzer's office today. Everybody's going to go to lunch and just not come back. Because nobody wants to be there in the afternoon as he's sort of like leaving his, like as he's locking his office door for the for the last time, and then leaving his key at the front. So there were a lot of sick hours used today, I would is imagine. Is he going to pardon anybody before he leaves? He should. If I was ever in that position, like I was governor or president, I got tagged for something, I would just pardon like a mother effer. I would just, I'd pardon Pete. It doesn't matter. What did this guy do? Well, he, he put 15 cheerleaders through a, through a meat press. Fine. Pardoned. Bam. Out. You know, just that people will remember if you do that. That might be enough to knock the hooker thing off the front page for a while. Anyway, uh, so we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum about, uh, what's her name, Kristen, Ashley, whoever it is. 
the chick who sings was bonking the governor. So I guess I guess the efforts have already begun to parlay this into some sort of an actual career for her. So we will speak to Steve about that. Um, having asked you to turn me down, can I ask you to sweeten my microphone ever mm-hmm. so slightly? Thank you. Uh, Scott Daly will be here later on today uh, to review. What the hell is he reviewing? What is that horrible thing that's opening? Horton, here's a who. Uh, I think he's reviewing the new Dr. Seuss travesty today. Uh, he will also be bringing, his, and this is the last one we're doing for, for months. We're not going to do any more television-themed top fives because the amount of stress that it puts on everybody is just unbelievable. Because when people, like yesterday when Mailman Chris is doing his top five, I get stress uh, for him because I want the list to be good. And then every time he would unveil one of the songs and it was fantastic, then I would just have all of this bitter self-recrimination and loathing about my own list and the various shortcomings therein. So Scott Daly's going to come in today. We'll do his top five TV theme songs of all time, and then that's it. We're done. Done? Uh, we have a double cannibal watch coming up today. It's particularly vile, by the way. I actually shuddered with kind of equal parts delight and revulsion as I was reading it. Um, oh, that's it, not good. It contains, it does contain the word sausage. Uh, so, uh, cannibal watch today, uh, geek watch coming up today. Glorious bastard of the week, we got to do that. Uh, your phone calls, big pile of emails. We'll talk about Lost here in just a few, uh, and so forth. Uh, in for Tim Riley today, and working on the following stories for your edification, it's Timmy Ryan. And I'm not scratching as much today. I was going to ask how your itching was. It's it's down about 95%. Really? Yeah, I'm just scratching here and there now. <laughs> so it was a uh, itch-free, sleep-filled night last night. Okay. I feel great. That's wonderful. So I'm going to be able to talk today. Okay, are your shoes on? Yes. <gasps> He's wearing shoes and he's not covered in itching. He's wearing shoes? Yes, he is. No, his his feet are covered. Taylor's man. All right. His feet are covered and his body is itchless. By the way, did I share this observation with you yesterday that there was somebody who will not be named? Somebody who was had stopped by my office yesterday, and they said, "Hey, so that top five was pretty interesting that Chris did. You know, this." They said it was, you know, much better than yours. And I said, yes, I'm used to hearing that. And they said, you know, I I got some TV theme songs. that I, And they weren't trying to pitch it as a top five. They were just sort of floating some ideas by me. I Sort of songs that they think I might have overlooked. And so we were talking, and I finally said, I go, well, you know, that's a pretty good list. You want to come down to the studio tomorrow? And they went, and I said, well, you know, come on the show. We'll have, you know, somebody from CBS do the top five. And they said, really? And I said, yeah, you know, put together your top five. I'll find the songs. You come into the studio. We'll have you do it on Friday, sort of at the end of the show. And they said yes. And then there was this pause. And then they said, is Timmy Ryan going to be there? And, and I said yes. And they said, ah, that's okay. Thanks anyway. <laughs> and then they just sort of walked off. <laughs> that wasn't Dave Zinn, was it? I'm not going to say who that it was. That sounds like something Dave Zinn would say. <laughs> I'm not going to reveal who it was. Uh-huh. But it was funny enough that I wrote it down. All right. Anyway, Timmy Ryan is working on the following stories for your edification. All right. Don't go swimming in Fano Creek in Portland or you'll be covered in crap. <laughs> New okay. reality show lets you compete for the best prize ever in history Excellent. to be Paris Hilton's friend. Mountain Dew drinking, D&D playing Virgins Rejoice, a new Star Wars movie will be out by August. And former pimp says whore behind Elliot Spitzer's fall is one of the best hookers ever. See, come on. That's, uh, see, this is why I don't care when people come by my office and say that they're never coming to the studio again as long as Timmy is here. She's it, the best whore ever. Things like this are what keep you coming back on this program, this my friend. This is what friend. keeps me employed. <laughs> and really, the fact that that first headline, right out of the gate. What, read the first headline again. Don't go swimming in Fano Creek in Portland or you'll be covered in crap. <laughs> Who can argue with that? I was I mean, planning on that yesterday, but no, no, not, not going to go swimming there. You're not going to hear that kind of coverage on KXL. Oh, no. All right. Or K-Pam. Fantastic. What? Or K-Pam. What's K-Pam? 
Another news talk station in really? Portland with Bob Miller. Yeah. Are they here? Oh, Bob Miller, Bob the scrape, Miller. the scrapey guy, the guy, that, the guy that fell off, the guy that fell off his scooter. He was, was doing oh, a show Miller's from his nice. house. <laughs> he was doing a show from his house. He listened. He's listened to our show. He's written me an e- like a couple emails. Before. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he nice? Mm-hmm. I worked with him briefly and uh, Victoria Tuff. They were nice people. All right. Well, he now was I really have, nice. Now I'll see. Now I can't make fun of him anymore. Why do you have like a million dollars a month they pay him or what? I was just going to say that paying him as literally worth his weight in gold. And that's a lot of gold, Bob. Yeah, he actually wrote me right after um, uh, after we got fired from Intercom. I'll see. I hate it when people do that. <laughs> I hate it when people who I've sworn as my enemies... For no readily apparent reason other than I don't know them and they're on another radio station. When they email us or I meet them in public and they're really nice and then I have to stop being mean to them. What if Lars were to stop by the studio one day and say, hey, Rick, I'd love to talk to you. Let's go have a beer. Rick, let's go somewhere and make out while beads of sweat drip onto your face. Oh. I'm sorry. Every time I picture Lars in my head, he's just saying something homoerotic. Would you hang out with Lars if he wanted to? He's like, Rick, let's go out, let's go out for dinner. I don't know. That's a really good question. That is a good question. I think Lars and you should go out to dinner. Lars and me. That sounds like a... Or Lars should come on your show. That's like, I immediately I'm seeing like a mid-80s sitcom opening in my head. Lars and me with lots of fun. Lars and me around And I would show you guys like holding hands, like frolicking Skipping through field daisies. Daffodils. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh... I don't know the answer to that. I mean, let's... First and foremost, let's be very clear that it's unlikely to happen. If Lars Larson, okay, now I have to. That would be an interesting um, thing for like a TV show or article in the Wellmaker or something, like pairing up media. That's a opposite. really good idea. And like going like out. a dinner for five thing. You yeah. do dinner for five. Uh, no, I've heard you talk about it though. It's it's basically where John Favreau has dinner with four celebrities, uh, and they all just hang out and have dinner and talk, and it's very low key. But it would be like that, be like Lars and Rick and whoever. I used to work Me with Lars. I can probably drop him an email. I can say, Lars, uh, Rick really... Well, you know, Mike Everhart was here, and uh, Mike Everhart is his engineer. He is? Yeah. yeah. Did I ever tell you that story? No, you probably not. Sarah's heard this. But um, at one point... And by the way, I should say that Mike Everhart didn't know about this. <laughs> I never told him this when I was there. But at one point, I had stopped by uh, uh, KXL to... Uh, I was dropping something off or I was picking something off, up or whatever. I think, I think Mike Everhart might have been lending me... Uh, a microphone for a, of another project I was doing. Whatever. I don't even know where I was working at the time. I think it might have been when I was at Intercom. Anyway, I stopped by. Maybe I was unemployed. It does seem likely because I think it was for Bigger Than Jesus. Anyway, I stopped by and Lars is in there doing his show. And, you know, they do the TV version, too. Yeah. So everybody can stare at him. Everybody can stare at his gloop-like eyes while he does that broadcast. And... So, you know, Mike is being very gracious and saying, here's the studio, and in there is, uh, there's Lars, he's doing his TV show. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking through the window, at the, seeing Lars, and it was like Richard Kimball finding the one-armed man. I was just sitting there staring at him. And I have to tell you, knowing that he was currently on camera, broadcasting to dozens of people, it was so unbelievably tempting to run into the studio and, like, like grab his and junk and give him a big kiss. <laughs> just seriously, just run into... And then give him a groin squeeze and then run away. I just got a text message from somebody who's hung out with Lars, and he said, I've hung out with him before. You guys are way more fun. Well, that, of course. Do you think? So I just read, I was looking at this Bob Miller story. Yeah. This is the most poorly written article I've ever read in my life. Okay. Miller thought the driver was going to go through the yellow light, but he says he stopped at the last second. So Miller turned and skidded on his scooter for many, many feet. <laughs> Miller's helmet is heavily scratched up, but he won't be needing it anytime soon. Who wrote this article? It's on the AP. 
many, many feet. Many, many, but it's many, many, and after the second many, there's a comma, too. It says feet. He skidded for many, many feet. So, and it, start, and it starts the sentence with so. Is Scotty J working for the AP? I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so Miller turned and skidded on a scooter for many, many feet. So, you don't start a sentence with so. No. Even I know that. And this is so bad. Miller's helmet's heavily scratched up. But he won't be needing it anytime soon. All right. Well, now I'm going to sit and be, be puzzled about... I think I would go to dinner with Lars. Rick, I'd like you to go out to dinner with me. I think I'd say yes to that. Just because why not? He likes to eat meat. I know that. He's a big steak-eating man. Really? Yeah. Lars likes to eat meat? He, he, likes, to, he likes to smoke cigars and uh, eat meat. Lars likes meat in his mouth. He does. He likes to take the meat and place it in his mouth. He does. He, he's a big steak-eating guy. See how we were going one way and then, well, whatever. All right. Uh, hey, you guys are being the funny people. I'm playing the straight man today. We're reversing <laughs> roles. Are we? Yes. I'm going to be the grown-up. Okay. I'm going to embody the soul of Tim Riley. Is this as big? You put on shoes and suddenly you're a grown-up. <laughs> you stop scratching. <laughs> well, not completely. <laughs> Just because you're not covered in sores today. I do today. actually have to scratch. Hold on. Oh, oh don't start. The worst part yesterday... And I'm, there were many, many bad parts. <laughs> but one of the worst parts of yesterday was when you would scratch. And for some reason, I think it was the microphone you were on yesterday. It, it was like literally the, like the sound of it was like. It was this. It was like the sound of you scratching yourself was the loudest thing in the studio. There was someone upstairs yesterday who emailed me later and said that. Uh, she said, great, thanks for the show. I have been uncontrollably scratching myself all day long. Thanks so much. When you start talking about Don't scratching... Don't say that you're contagious. That's going to be taken out of context. No, it's kind of uh, like when you yawn, everybody yawns with you. So when you hear about scratching, you naturally want to scratch. That's why I kept scratching yesterday. Right. That's because you guys wouldn't shut up about it. All right. All right. We wouldn't shut up about it because you kept jamming your hands into your pants. Because you kept reminding me that I was scratching earlier, and that made me want to scratch myself. Moving on. Wait, hold on. Do we have... Who's this on uh, on line three? Hello, sir. Hello, Rick. Lars, is that you? It is. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm fantastic. What brings you to my phone today? I just uh, was wondering if uh, maybe sometime in the near future I'd like to grab a meal with me. A big piece of meat? A big slab of meat. I was thinking maybe the A-crop. <laughs> Color me there, Lars. Excellent, excellent. I'm giving a, a speech at Beaverton Junior High 20 minutes beforehand, but I'm pretty sure I could blow that off. Excellent. Well, they... Uh... They can they can uh, hear your brilliance another day, sir. That's right. I, uh, they can check out the podcast at LarsLarson.com or uh, maybe pick up a nice gift for their parents. All right. Thank you, Lars. Well, it's, it's a date. All right. Excellent. I'll put you on the calendar. Thank you. All right. All right. There you go. That's fantastic. Wonderful. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I'm very well. It's yeah. Friday. It's Friday. Sense that in the air. Yeah. Uh, all uh, right. You know, I had a happening night of going out with my friends last night. Oh, and watching Lost. And watching Lost. I was lost. We already get people calling about it. It was interesting. All right, this is now the segment of the program in which you would... Uh, oh, are we doing it now? Well, uh, you want to put it off? No, I don't care. Uh, this is now the segment of the program in which you discuss Lost with Sarah, and I pretend to know what you're talking about. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to discuss last night's episode of Lost uh, with Sarah Dillon, who is the official Lost correspondent and transcriber, of the Rick Emerson show. Uh, well, last night there was a yeah. There's they revealed that a main character dies. So if you don't want to know, don't. Oh yeah, that's it, and don't and yeah and, and don't call don't it and You're spoiling it. It aired last night, so it we're going to talk about it for episode, a bit. It's on ABC.com. So have to be okay with that. So you find out who the Oceanic Six are in this. It also marked the arrival of Michael, who was <laughs> the guy who at the end of season, uh, the end of season one, he traded in. Um, 
Kate Sawyer, Hurley, and Jack uh, for his freedom. And he, he like, went off on a boat with Michael. So everyone hated Michael. Anyway. <gasps> so Michael came back last night. Um, you find out who the Oceanic Six are, and you also um, see that a main character doesn't make it off the island, which is a little depressing. Excellent. All right. So uh, this is now the time on the Rick Emerson Show when we discuss Lost uh, from last night. First, though, let's do this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey. What's up? I'm, I'm sick, and I just want to say one thing. Yeah. Is uh, the uh, woman on the toilet, you know, for two years? Yes, sir. Uh, apparently, she was just in the bathroom for two years, stayed on the toilet for a month. Still impressive, but... Wait, now, where did you hear that? That was on Fox News Local. Well, but then that doesn't Black. explain how it is that, the, that her ass had grown around the toilet seat. No, it doesn't. But it's still, you know, instead of her... It's more believable, you know, her... Sitting on the toilet for a month rather than two years. Mm. All right. Well, I'll have to look into this because that, there's several things that that need, that, that need explaining. Yeah. All right. I agree. But at least it's you know it sounds more believable. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Who's this? Uh, this is Edward. Happy Friday, everyone. Thank you, Happy sir. Friday. And Mr. Scabies, I hope you get it taken care of. Thank you. I hope you're praying <laughs> for me. Yeah, I want to talk about Lost. Uh, Sarah, how'd you like the uh, flash forward and flash back of uh, Jen and uh, Sun there? I liked it. it. It really did surprise me at the end, but it does seem like it's getting a little too complex. I don't know. I, I did like it. I, I was fascinated with the show. I didn't see that happening at the end. Um, well, anyone who didn't watch it, don't listen right now. Um, so Jen dies. I didn't yeah. realize that. I did not see him dying. I thought that he was going to be part of the Oceanic Six, so I guess that means that Aaron does count. But then that begs the question, like, why is, um, you know, why does Kate actually have control over Aaron pretending to be her son? And also that one really interesting part when they're talking about the fake airplane uh, in the water and yeah. that one question that they raised, like, where did he get 367 bodies? That's really creepy. Yeah, I think Ben is definitely Mr. Evil. <laughs> I think he is, too. I was starting to think he was better. And I also think that um, Juliet might not be all that she seems, too. She seemed a little crazy last night. Uh, I agree completely, but I'd also like to point out that I was the uh, person that called last week and guessed Michael correctly on the boat. You so. totally <laughs> did, and it's like, my name's Kevin Johnson. So do you think that, um, from you watching it, did you think that him and Saeed, like, I kind of thought he was giving Saeed the look like, don't say that you know who I am, like, kind of um, trying to be an undercover kind of thing, or did you think oh, for, that... for sure, I, I definitely picked up on that, and I wasn't, I couldn't remember if him and Desmond had met in the before or not. I didn't think they had, so... Yeah, I don't think they did. I, I was pretty sure that they hadn't, because Desmond, that was when he was all naked and running the woods and stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. All right, happy Friday. Bye now. All right, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show about Lost. How's it going? Hey, what's up? Oh, nothing. I'll just sum it up real fast. First of all, the uh, jumping forward and backwards, I did find a little confusing. It did get a little confusing. I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept, but it's kind of like, okay, it's just, it was almost too much. Yeah, it's true. And that blonde, is that Julie? Is that her name? Uh, Juliet. Yeah, Juliet. I don't like her at all. Never did. Never did. I think she's evil, too. No, and then she's, like, calling out um, Sun because Sun slept with this one uh, dude when her and Jen were having problems. And Juliet, like, totally called, like, uh, Sun confided to her about it. And Juliet totally called her out in front of her husband, like, hey, do you know that your wife was with another man? Just, oh, not yeah. her place. That was pretty screwed up. Screwed up. But the reason I took the time to call in is, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there getting informed, watching Ross, trying to make sense of it all. In the end, when uh, he dies... I look over, my girlfriend is in tears. My friend Lisa was so, but Lisa was crying, too. I didn't realize that. I was like, okay, well, that's the episode. I look, she's so upset. Yeah, I didn't know it was that emotional. I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. All right, thank I know, you, sir. I made me feel like I was missing a heart or something. Thank you, my yeah. friend. 
right. yes. By the way, it should be noted that Richie's having to screen these calls without having to be without with like the monitor turned down because he hasn't. He's still on season three, <laughs> so Richie's actually having to, to to work the show without being able to listen to the show right now. I, you're on the Rick Emerson show about Lost. Then we'll uh, break. Come back with Lisa Desjardins. Hey, uh, Sarah, did you get the impression they cheated just a little bit on the uh, format last night? Ooh, how so? Well, it's just for me that you know, I, I, I thought it was interesting that they introduced the idea of now showing us three different times in the same episode. But ordinarily, when they do a flash forward or a flashback, it gives you some little nugget of information about one of the characters. That's now, true. Bill, it gave you absolutely uh, nothing last night. Well, it gave us something about Sun. Tells us more about what's going to happen with her. Tells us that Jin is going to die. But it didn't tell us anything we didn't know about Jin. Because, you know, he, it just showed him working. It just showed him working for Mr. I think his name is Pate. Yeah, because that her, that's her last name, right? That was, he was, that was when he was working for right. his father. So it just, father. You know, we didn't learn anything new at all about Jim. Yeah, I think so, maybe maybe that was like his closure episode. Like, they're like, oh, look at him forgiving her for, you know, well, cheating on him. And I guess it shows, you know, there was still some trust. But that was still, you know, all before all the crap happened uh, with him that, you know, drove them apart so yeah well that was weird too like in the future because you can't tell because you see you know in the flash forwards you see hurley in the mental institution and then but then at the end of that episode you see hurley come to visit uh son and they go to visit jen's grave and he still looks all well to do and he looks really freshly groomed so i'm wondering like when he goes crazy or if that's after he goes crazy or because uh, that's one of those things that we've seen with a couple of the characters now where you see them in the future but like the first time we saw future jack he was looking bad totally then yeah and he's all like you cracked out right so there's something that they're hinting at that's going to be happening hurley was still put together about six months after getting off the island six months at the most yeah because son was two months pregnant and then yeah so it's like right. six or seven months so if you figure about a month for them to get back to society about six more months so we don't know when hurley goes nuts but it's in Six months to a year. Just imagine the various diseases you could cure if you put this much thought into that. <laughs> really, uh, I don't like diseases. Fair People enough. People are all sick and gross, and I'd have to talk to Timmy Ryan. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll take uh, Richie, what is the deal? Is that uh, 231 uh, Pacific or 231 Eastern? Richie's just typing on the screen, but a little bit of a CNN uh, time change today. Now he's, but of course he's not listening because he, he has the monitor turned down because we're talking about Lost. Oh, okay, I have to go find him now. Okay. All right, back after this, one way or the other. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Let's never repeat that. <laughs> If you could only hear the conversation leading up to that. Why would that phrase even occur to you? Uh, I shall be telling you off the air. All right. Jesus. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Ladies and gentlemen, from the hill. Welcome to the Rick Emerson program, a CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Well, hello. How are you today? I'm, I'm, I'm dandy. Okay. We're, are you dandy, truly? I, really, I, I I would say I am. I'd say, you know, it was a little buck and bronco of a morning, but now it's good. Now it's all good. I had a banana. I'm happy. 
It takes so little. The, the bar is set so low. A little bit, you have a potassium infusion, and now all is right with the world. True. All right. Um, let me just ask you this. First of all, Sarah and I were talking about you during the break, and I have a – I sort of predicted something, and I want to see if I'm right about this. Okay. We were talking about the show Lost, and I predicted – my guess is that – you don't. You're not anti-lost. You don't watch it, but you you fully intend to someday. And what was Sarah's guess? Uh, Sarah, what was your guess? I'm sorry for what? About Lost and Lisa. Do you? My guess is that she intends to watch it someday, but doesn't now. I don't think that she watches it now. But I think I think maybe someday. Well, you got, yeah, you guys are both right. All right, there you go. So uh, that you're was just exactly right. I would like to watch it, but yeah. I uh, I don't. There's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, that's, I just, yeah, I don't have room. That's that's exactly really. It honestly does feel like I sort of need. I read a great. Uh, it was one of those uh, those books of questions that were kind of big in the '90s, where you would sort of, uh, you know, it was like it was sort of. I think questions that you were supposed to ask your friends late at night when like one or more of you was like stoned or drunk or something, and it was a bunch of weird philosophical questions. And one of them was, uh, one of the questions was. Would you trade 90% of your goods and money for the ability to sleep for one hour a night? And the, the answer is, I, and I remember at the time saying, yes, I absolutely would. If I could get by in one hour of sleep a night, I would actually give away everything I currently own and start from scratch just for that ability. Because really, there's so much to get done, and I know that it sounds dumb to some people, but just the amount of television I feel like I should be watching and I'm not, it really just... Uh, I have this weird confluence of pop culture fixation and retroactive Catholic guilt because I actually feel like remorse sometimes about the television that is passing me by every day. Yes, I mean I feel bad for uh, kids like 60 years from now. I mean they, they, they're just going to have decades and decades of catching up to do. They can't ever possibly catch up. I feel like it's almost within our reach. But it, it, pretty soon, generations won't have a chance. That's the thing, though. It really is like a train that is leaving the station, gaining speed with every moment. Yes. Uh, because, and, it, and here's the thing, it, 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 that you and I uh, and people of our generation, uh, we were sort of lucky in a way that there was just relatively, I mean, it's amazing when you think back that how many channels do you suppose the average person has on their cable system? 100, 150? Yeah, probably. I mean, the average, the typical American, let's say 100 channels, uh, but when you and I were growing up, there was uh, three. I mean, it just sounds it sounds absurd. Three channels. <laughs> we were savages. I mean, really, it's like we were doing everything but living in the ground eating stones. So three <laughs> channels, many of which, wait for it, went off the air at midnight. So you would have three channels that would go off the air after Carson or whatever their late night show was. That was so uh, 36 hours times seven so you had 250 hours of programming a week. And that's why the Olympics were so great. I remember I was sick, actually, I think in the uh, 1980 Olympics, was it? I was sick, and I was so happy because uh, once the, like, I was sick when the Olympics weren't on and everything went off air, but then the Olympics would stay on late. Yeah, and I mean, it, and, and you were... Well, their commentary, they keep it going, it was great. And that's why now uh, everybody sort of has a commonality in terms of uh, programming from that era because we all sort of... It's not like we all necessarily liked the same things, just there wasn't any choice. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go home and watch uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. Do you really like that show? No, but it's one of my only, it's one of three choices. Disney owned Sunday night with the, uh, what was it? It was like the... The Wonderful Disney, World of Disney. Disney. I guess they had it. I mean, you know, everybody watched that, boys, girls, you know, the... You know, the, the 12-year-old boys were not into watching that, but they watched it. There was simply no alternative. The only other choice I had was to go and read something, and that wasn't <laughs> interesting. So, I mean, why? Uh, you know, but, but now, I mean, I've made this observation before, that there are now programs that come on the air. They 
live their entire programming life. They get cult followings and blogs and articles and whatever. Then they go off the air the entire time. I never even knew they existed. You know what I mean? It's true. Like it'll be that... Uh, Listen, I'm watching. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for stuff on the Food Channel sometimes, especially if it's sort of trashy food programming targeted at guys, where it's like a whole show about how to cook something with like whiskey, you know, or whatever. Or it's like, you know, well, I don't even know about. See, this is this is great. I wouldn't know about this. Who's that guy? Clean it up. Do you, does it, I think it's on the Food Channel. It's. I'm asking our uh, our news director is gone today, so we have a fill-in news guy, and he's okay. a vegan. He's a vegan, so of course you can't help me with this. There's this <laughs> food. His name is Guy something or other. I forget his name. Okay. Kind of a chunky guy with spiky blonde hair. Okay. Uh, sort of like Billy Idol if he put on 150 pounds. Okay. But his whole thing is like guy cooking, where he'll he will either show you how to like today I'm going to show you how to make something out of bacon and a six pack. Uh, you know, uh, guy fairy, guy fairy, guy fairy or fiery, fiery. Yeah, something. That's his, or. He'll do this. Other, his other move is to do a sort of a road trip. And there's a lot of these shows, like Anthony Bourdain has one, too, uh, where he'll be like, today I'm going to get on my motorcycle and I'm going to drive from one end of the country to the other, stopping at every hamburger stand along the way. <laughs> and I will watch that thinking that I'm getting cultured. And, of course, it's just moronic programming for guys. Um, but you have a point. Like a show like, you know, Dexter comes up probably daily or did at one point on this show. You know, that that veered on uh, just kind of falling into the void at one point. Absolutely. And here's the other thing. Because of the ability uh, to sort of bend the space-time continuum, in other words, I no longer have to wait for Showtime to give me Dexter. I watch the entire first season in like one day. Right. It's, it's not only that it's not only that there's Dexter, which a lot of people d didn't watch or don't watch. It's that Sarah and I on this program obsessed about Dexter every single day for about ten days, and now we're done because yeah. we've watched the entire series to this point. <laughs> I mean, time has become that is so true because we we learned about it, we got the copies of all of the seasons, and then we finished it in a week, and that's it. Exactly. So time is both faster and compressed Had at your this way point. With Dexter totally. I mean, exactly. Every, everything now is just some. Uh, yeah, never mind. Uh, but yeah, but Wait, it, so another a tangent question there here. What what would be the longest day long marathon of watching of any movie or TV show that you can remember? Well, I got to tell you how it was helped by the fact that I also was I was at home and I had the flu. Uh, so I watched Dexter from. Uh, this is how lame I am with Dexter. I actually set my alarm so I could get up early and begin and begin watching television. I was going to bed. I'm like, all right, 7:45 a.m. That should do it. So I woke up at 7:45, got my coffee, sat on the couch, and I watched Dexter uh, until about 10 o'clock at night. Oh my gosh! So it was a great day. It really was. I think uh, I did. I did have a 12-hour a David Lynch movie marathon one time. Your favorite David Lynch movie being? Blue oh, Velvet. That's so tough. I'm saying Blue Velvet for you. I do love Blue Velvet. I might have to say Blue Velvet. I mean, I think Twin Peaks was his best stuff, first season of Twin Peaks. But, uh, but yeah, I think I'd have to go Blue Velvet, although I like The Straight Story as well. Also very the good. Straight Story is a really legitimately charming and sweet film. It really is. Well done. Good reference. Um, so, anyway, so my job becomes harder and harder by the day because of the pop culture currency. That is the, uh, how, do you, how do you pronounce it? L lingua fraca? Fraca? What is that? That, that it's that one of those terms I only ever see written yeah, down. Yeah, I, I can. I know how it's spelled exactly. I I would guess Freka. Whatever. Anyway, and so I don't. Uh, but you know, it's just going to become harder. I pity talk show hosts of 25 years from now. I really do. Uh, there's just there's going to be no way to the hey. So who watched whatever last night? Because like no one will have watched that. So. Um. All right. Well, let's. This is a little bit of actual uh, news here. So. We do have some news. It seems like I sort of ask this every day, but but where are we with Florida and and Michigan? Because depending on what news source you read, you either hear not going to happen, 
It's going to be a mail-in. It's going to be a revote, but they don't know who's going to pay for it. Uh, do we know where we are? Anything changed? We do, and it looks like uh, the winner may be Michigan. Michigan, we expect maybe in the next couple of hours, could uh, come out with a plan, at least the Democratic leadership there. And and uh, no shocker what the, what the plan is. They're going to have a do-over, an old-fashioned schoolyard do-over really? in Michigan, June 3rd, which I have to say is a little bit of bad news for Oregon. And as we stood, you all were the last <laughs> primary in the continental United States. Now, Mich- Michigan, you know, they wanted to be first. They edged everybody out. Now they're, now they're going for the last spot. It's almost unfair. They're almost like greedy, uh, greedy folks in line at the cafeteria taking uh, all of the jello. Our one, our one final chance to matter. It was, uh, was in Michigan. Looks like they're just going to try and elbow Oregon and out. And it's not going to be a redo via mail. It's going to be an actual go to the polling place redo. Actual going to the polling place redo. This likely benefits who? Mm. Uh, the Democratic Party, I would say, because they need Michigan uh, to go Democratic in the fall. And if the Democrats ignore Michigan altogether, if they don't count their votes, Republicans in Michigan will be able to use that, you know, sort of as, a, as an axe to grind for the next, you know, five months and say, oh, Democrats don't care about you, don't vote for them. So whoever the Democratic nominee is, they really need Michigan to matter. They need to give Michigan some love, I guess is what what it comes down to. It it does not help it, it could help Hillary Clinton actually because she did very well in Ohio, a similar state demographically, and she would hope to do well in Michigan. She probably won't do as well as she did in that Michigan vote because as we've talked about her name was essentially the only one on the ballot right. with Kucinich and Gravel. So she she, you know, she blew everybody else away because she was basically on the ballot herself. So, so she, you know, she won't do as well as before, but it could be a good state for her. What matters is Democrats need to make it count. Florida, however, a bit of a mess. Wait, a Florida, of... it's just a whole state that seems to be run by glue-sniffing felons. I mean, <laughs> everything there is just such a disaster all the time. What is wrong with Florida? I kind of, in my mind, when I visualize Florida, it's sort of like a heroin chic model from the early 80s. <laughs> like the next morning, you know, with the mascara kind of. You know, you, you know that there's some beauty there, but it's all, it's, it, there's just too much on top of it. It's just messed it up. So, yeah, Florida is a mess. Right now, the House Democratic uh, leaders, the, Repo- the House Democrats from Congress have said, nope, no, we don't want to do over. We don't want to mail in. The Democratic senator has said, yep, we do want to mail in. And basically, the Democratic Party leader in Florida came to the microphones, and I have to applaud her in a very rare uh, news conference of candor said, "Yeah, we it doesn't look good." <laughs> so is this? We have a real problem here, and we just we aren't working it out. We've got to get it done. The issue for both of these states is they have to pass changes through their legislatures. So that takes time, and then once that's done, they have to actually print ballots or mail ballots. In the case of Florida, as it may be, all of that takes a long time. And if they want that to happen by June, they've really got to get get started this month. So if it looks like they don't get their act together, and precedent would indicate that they will not, uh, is that, what, I mean, are, are uh, to use the capitalized phrase, the people, are the people going to uh, cause a, kick up a ruckus in Florida if it, if it looks like their their vote ended up not, even though they sort of knew in advance it wouldn't matter, at least under the rules at the time, is there going to be some sort of popular uprising or something? People, you want the pitchfork? I do. No, I, And plus it just seems like we have this story about every four years in Florida about some disenfranchised group believing their vote didn't count. I mean, people in Florida have got to feel like a, like a, like a kicked-around puppy at this point. They 
do they, they do to some degree the voters. And the problem that they have now is that either way the state is in trouble. Let's say they have a do-over. Uh, the folks who voted before, but let's say maybe our uh, our snowboard snowbirds and are down there right now, but won't be down there in June. They're going to say it's harder for them to vote, and that a bunch of them who, you know, maybe considered residents of Florida but actually spend, you know, the summer up in New York, for example, they're going to say they're disenfranchised by a new vote. However, if you keep the old vote legitimate, then you've got Al Sharpton and others say a ton of people didn't vote because they thought it wouldn't count. Uh. So either way, either way, you're going to have the potential for lawsuits and election questions, election violations. It's going to be. It's very difficult to figure out how they how they are going to sort this one out for Florida. They're going to have to come up with something, but whatever it is, probably won't be too pretty. This, this whole Florida situation is like looking at one of those New York subway maps where you're squinting trying to figure out what line goes where, <laughs> and 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 it just seems like a big tangled ball of yarn-like confusion. Well, a bad sign was when last week. But the Florida congressional delegation got together with the Michigan delegation to say, all right, we're in the same boat. Let's figure something out and come up with a proposal. And after about a day, the Michigan delegation said, um, we're actually going to go meet somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. We're actually, it was really great meeting with you guys. <laughs> and good luck. Wonder, wonderful. Like a blind date where you kind of get up to go to the restroom and then you run out the back door. <laughs> That that was the impression. I'm sure if you asked the folks in the meeting, they would all say nice about each other, but essentially, yeah. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and especially, it goes back to the whole thing of you visualizing Florida as some weird, seedy-looking model. <laughs> You're a great gal and everything. Look over there. And then they run. All right. Excellent. I'm to take this phone call. Really, I do. Um, oh, baby, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I have to go into work again tonight. There's a, I got to collate an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, all right, big plans for your weekend? Uh, no, not really, not so much. Uh, you know, house stuff, uh, going out tomorrow night with the with uh, the friends, and uh, that's about it. Excellent. Well, we will talk to you uh, sometime in the new week then. So, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy your day and your weekend. St. Patrick's Day coming up. Thank you, Lisa. Hey. All right, bye. All right, there you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Desjardins. Fantastic. That really does have a good flow to it, that name. It does. And that's kind of grown on me. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm... At least it wasn't Sporbert, you know? So, all right, I've... No, that... The name has sort of grown on me. I, I was again it. Now I am for it. Um, all right, we're waiting on CNN Radio. Let's see if I can. Let's see if I can do it. All right, so I guess I'm going to have to start something else because looks like Steve Kastenbaum's not going to call. Let's begin this show bit that will take forever. That takes all kinds of focus and concentration. Well, what do you have in your hand there, Rick Emerson? It's a thing that's going to take about nine minutes, during which I'll be able to take no phone calls, like those from Steve. It's not working. He's not calling. Wait. No, that's Richie. Uh, oh, I meant to. Here's a question for Lisa. I didn't get a chance to ask. Um, oh, listen to this. Here's a really good one. Why didn't I ask this? Remind me to ask her this next week. Rick, how do the Amish vote? Does Pennsylvania use voting machines? If so, do our Amish brothers and sisters use them? That's an interesting question. Hmm. And you know that she'd know the answer, too. She totally would know they the answer. They use a voting machine that looks like a cotton gin. <laughs> you churn your vote. You churn your vote. <laughs> as long as it's not fancy. 
And it's plain. They can vote. <laughs> it's a plain piece of paper. You know the uh, made the, of grain. The great thing about uh, the great thing about the Pennsylvania uh, primary coming up is it'll give me a chance to play Amish Paradise repeatedly. Uh, do the, I wonder, do the Amish vote? That's a good question. No, the Amish certainly vote. They pay taxes. They do whatever. Uh, and actually, not that I'm like some. They expert. vote for their own Amish candidate. Well, that's a, that's another good question. Is do the Amish are they prohibited from holding or are they told not to have? Uh, positions in local government. That actually is an interesting question. I mean, I know they're very insular people. Oh, the Amish Yorkerson for president. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is really funny. Uh, I'd vote for him. Let's do this. Greetings and salutations, Ken Thorson. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including Dan in Real Life. Now on DVD and Blu-ray high def, Dan in Real Life starring everybody's favorite funny man, Steve Carell. It's the comedy Rolling Stone calls blissfully funny and touching, including hilarious deleted scenes and outtakes. Don't miss the feel-great comedy of the year. Own Dan in Real Life today. You also win the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, you are just a little bit better than everybody else. Enjoy your newly elevated status and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. That's why they are there. Thank you for listening, Ken Thorson. You are the glorious bastard of the week. Fantastic. By the way, if uh, you are not a glorious bastard, you can sign up at 970.am. 970.am. Why do you want to do that? A, because you become the glorious bastard of the week and win some crap. B, um... We are going to be launching, and we'll just take a break here in a second. Richie, uh, if you don't, if you haven't heard from Steve by now, we can either do him later uh, or not at all, probably, because we're going to have to go to a break here. Um, thing. Ah, so don't forget the uh, live stream, actual live, not delayed, not whatever, not sort of live. The actual live uh, Rick Emerson stream will be launching on uh, April 1st. It's not a uh, zany April Fool's thing, but on April 1st, the live stream will be launched. However... If you're a glorious bastard, you get it a week earlier. So if you are not, you got to go to 970.am and sign up. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson. See how I conjured him by saying we had to take a break? Let's welcome now Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Hello, sir. How's it going? Going very well. Let me ask you this. Uh, are you more uh, happy or sad that the week has come to an end for you? Oh, very happy. Because it's been, uh, it's been a, this all happened on what, Monday, Tuesday? Yeah, and as, as if things weren't busy enough here, the president has to come to New York today. You know, <laughs> what is he thinking? Uh, so let's well, let's just real briefly. We've sort of kind of said all that could be said about what's his name, Spitzer, except to say that today is that day when he's you know finally you know you whatever he's he's, he's like uh, you know he's taking his pictures up the wall and turning in his security key at the front desk, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I presume so. Uh, and then, but there there has been some attention turned to what's her name. Alexander Drea Ashleyan, whatever her name uh, is, the girl. Well, her current name is Ashley Alexander Dupree. And, and that wasn't always her name. Her name had been for a while uh, uh, Ashley Yeoman, or Yeoman, or depending on how you like to pronounce it, Y-O-U-M-A-N. And apparently, CNN Steve Kastenbaum says there are plenty of other opportunities for her to make up her loss in income. This is true. Penthouse would love to give her a large sum of money to do the cover photo. Now is that now has that has there had been a formal offer to her from some from a magazine? Oh, unfortunately, none of these magazines that would love to have her in a picture uh, uh, layout. Uh, they haven't been able to reach her. Is she uh, is she spending spending time with her family? 
Well, let me let me uh, let you know what what her building management said. Of course, you know we've all been outside her building this week. Uh, the uh, management indicated uh, that Dupre's fellow tenants, who pay around thirty four hundred and fifty dollars monthly for a studio, and almost seven thousand dollars for a two bedroom Jesus. a month, were fed up with the media circus and curiosity seekers. Well, at that price, I would be fed up too. Seriously. And they said that while it is Chelsea Landmark's policy, that's the name of the building, to not discuss building tenants, Ashley Dupree has approved that we alert the media to the fact that she is not currently in the building. <laughs> Ashley has left the building. Please go away. <laughs> building management does not anticipate her return in the near future. And they requested the media respects the rights and privacies of those residing in the building. You know who's, you very much. You know who's really, really happy about this story? Who's that? Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> because you know what I mean? Because there's somebody else. Like now, somebody else goes to the front of the line. You know? Well, maybe maybe Monica Lewinsky will now become a guest on on like Larry King or something. That's a great idea. She ought to be pimping herself out right now for to be she some sort be. of an expert on those sorts of things. Exactly. Life for the other woman. Exactly. You know? She. They ought. Okay. They ought to all get together and write a book. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It'd be uh, 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 let's see uh, Donna Rice. Uh, Monica Lewinsky, uh, Ashley, uh, what's her name? Who else? Who am I missing? Seems like you need one more. Jessica, oh, uh, Jennifer Jessica, Flowers. Jennifer Flowers, Jessica Hahn. Jessica Hahn. Uh, wait, Jennifer Flowers, which one was she? She, she was uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton when he was governor. <laughs> she, right. was, she that looked like some weird strip mall hairdresser. Right. She, that she's huge, the one, she was the one that played the tapes at the press conference. Right, and she's the one who swears that uh, Bill told her that uh, Hillary preferred women. <laughs> really? I don't I don't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. The um there's a uh, that she is also famous Jennifer Flowers because she's at that press conference uh and where she just looks I mean I hate to say this. She just looks like just such such a uh, I mean as I think James Carville said, when you drag $10 through a trailer park, you never know what's going to come out after it. Um <laughs> Really, honestly. And I remember seeing Jennifer Flowers at that press conference. She goes, yes, it's true. I was Bill Clinton's lover for 12 years. And then she plays whatever this phone conversation with Bill Clinton. And she just looks like such a tramp. I mean, just unbelievably so. Um, I, but that was the press conference where Stuttering John, in what now seems like a really tame comment, where Stuttering John from the Stern Show stood up and said, uh, did the governor use a condom? Which at the time everybody thought was like scandalous. But later... Now it's a realistic question. I was going to say, really, in retrospect, given the rest of Bill Clinton's presidency, that does seem like a fair question. It really does. You right. know, uh, is she selling the uh, the phone tapes again? I think she's trying to sell them now. Well, really, what else is Jennifer Flowers going to be doing other than buffing your nails next to a Woolworth somewhere? I mean, really... I think uh, you should bid for them, definitely. I would absolutely do that. All right. Uh, I guess that's it. Oh, the, the Here's the other good thing about Jennifer Flowers is that when they then made the movie Primary Colors, of which I'm a big fan, they recreated her by making her an actual hairstylist, and they gave her the fantastic name. Her her sort of doppelganger in the movie Primary Colors was Kashmir McCloud, which is like the, that, the yeah. best name ever. All right. Uh, big plan. Oh, wait, real, real quick. I know you got to run, but uh, yeah. I feel bad for you guys Absolutely. out there because the New York Post has a bunch of pictures of of uh, the the other woman, uh, Kristen, uh, today, like, topless, but, like, covering her breasts. But they're only in the print edition of the Post. They're not online. Uh, well, that's that's only now. Uh, give it about an hour, my friend. They paid uh, $25,000 for it. $25,000, really? Yeah. From whom? I mean, who had them? 
this photographer was, is shopping them around, and uh, he wanted uh, CNN to pay twenty five grand for him. He said, "Nope." Is that is that because, is that because you're above it? Because like nobody would approve the money. It's because uh, that would mean we'd have to fire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to lose that free lunch they keep bringing you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Have a good weekend, my friend. Take care. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen, New York City. Wonderful. Seventy five hundred dollars for a for a one bedroom apartment. God damn. That's ridiculous. It really is. We have uh, breaking entertainment news when we do the news. Is it bad? Is someone dead? Yeah, well, it's in relation to somebody dying. Is it about Heath Ledger? No. Uh, well, I thought it might be Batman nothing news. About, nothing about Heath Ledger. Is it the story that you were talking about this morning? No. No. It's in relation to somebody dying. Yes. Pretty big. Wait, so somebody's already dead? Somebody's already dead, and this is uh, in relation to it. It's when did it? Oh, breaking is it... news. Is it Anna Nicole Smith? No. Somebody Wait, already I died. I know, did. All right, hold on. I'm going to uh, just, just say, just uh, I'm closing my eyes. Okay, then maybe, okay, let's break. We're going to break now. We'll come back. Yeah. Breaking entertainment death news, kind of. Plus, uh, Timmy Ryan's news later on. Uh, Scott Dowley will be here. Uh, top five and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right, I've written down some, some things that I heard earlier in the office that I want to talk about. Let's see, later on, top five, Scott Daly, James Roop. This, however, at the Ministry of Truth. Are you ready? Everybody, everybody got their uh, watches yeah. and gear? All right, yeah. this is Timmy Ryan. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Apparently, I was turning on the wrong microphone. Yeah, no, we. Uh, I remember you're using. Was it working? Was you're I on microphone. Was no, I was just turning your mic. No, on. that button over there oh. does nothing. Nice. Okay, hold on. So you're controlling my mic. Yeah. yeah. Uh oh. So let's. So the whole time I was like coughing and scratching. That was that was audible. So let's just make let's just quickly establish a couple of things. You're on microphone three, yes, not microphone two. You because of and because the cables are not long to swap. And by the way, Matt, this is not because of a problem, simply because of the the, the microphone and the way it sounds. And he prefers to be on the RE20 instead of the Shure. Uh, so I don't want Matt to think something's broken again. Um, but the cables actually aren't long enough uh, to, to swap them around. So you have no control of your own microphone. Sarah controls your destiny. There is today. no God. Yeah, no. So every, for Sarah. everything you say or don't say is completely in the hands of Sarah today. So tread lightly. All well, right. No, Timmy seems, no, he seems like, you know, yesterday's kind of warm up. I, I have a really good feeling about today. <laughs> yesterday that's was your, what you said yesterday. Yesterday was oh, your yeah, training wheel like, show. Yeah, I have a good feeling about your news today, Timmy, and I just totally blew it. No, all I, I saw a couple of the titles for your news stories and can't go wrong. Okay. The best part is during the break, did you hear him giving Richie tips on how to dress? No. Yeah. Did you, I think I actually heard at one point, Richie, why do you dress that way? And then later, Richie, I'll teach you how to dress. You'll be fine. <laughs> Richie is walking around wearing a sweatband, though. He's, is that he's, true? He's wearing a sweatband. He says he's going to go teach a sex exercise class. <laughs> I, did, I heard that earlier today. Because I think Timmy said, you look like you're going to exercise. And I think Richie referred to himself in the third person and said, it's Richie Bristol's sex exercise class. Well, Richie clearly doesn't exercise, so. There's not a whole lot of... Uh, 
Not a whole lot of emotion involved in his job. That is true. All right, here's uh, Timmy Ryan with your news. We have breaking news, remember? Do we have a sounder? Oh, damn it. We do, actually. I want the goddamn sounder. If only I... Uh, I want to feel special. If only I had... <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, there we go. Here's your All breaking right. news. Two doctors have been cleared of negligence in the death of actor John Ritter. A Glendale jury has cleared two doctors of negligence in the treatment and death of John Ritter. The verdict was read Friday morning, that would be today, at an L.A. County courthouse in suburban Glendale. Ritter died back in 2003 from a torn aorta. Ritter's family is still suing a cardiologist who diagnosed him as having a heart attack and a radiologist who did a body scan on the actor two years before the death. The family claims that the radiologist failed to see a purportedly enlarged aorta at that time. All right, there so we go. it's pretty much a ridiculous lawsuit from start to finish. That's sad because you can tell it's just a grief lawsuit, you know, where they well, can't really mean. handle it. And I don't, and unlike many people, I don't, I'm not, I'm not irritated at the family for filing the lawsuit. Because, because you know, they're just, they're just They're just trying totally. to find, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. try to find reason. Yeah, well, and you don't think, I mean, you, you know, your your dad slash husband dies, you're not thinking straight. So the family uh, should be held kind of blameless for this. The person you blame, of course, is the lawyer who shows up on their door and says, "Hey, grieving widow, mm-hmm. there's someone to blame for your husband's early death." Right, but he was making them money. He was bringing them money. Now they're not going to get any of that money because you know he was involved in like a sitcom every single. Well, year. that's the other thing is they're probably he was again. He, that's, that's a good point. He actually, was a he was. He was. They can. They probably also wanted to sue correctly uh, if they believed that it was because of negligence for what is it, loss of future earnings or revenue or whatever the hell. So, but yeah. the problem with that is that you know he has the genetics like his dad and I think his, his grandfather or whatever, and it's just all over in his family. They have heart problems and they just die unexpectedly. Just one day they just die. That's it. I mean, it, it, there's no symptoms of a heart attack. There's nothing. All of a sudden, their genetic time I just, bomb just goes I'm sorry. off. I just like the idea that that's the defining trait of the Ritter family. They did they die unexpectedly. Yeah, they that's have, what they do. They just have something you know within their genetic code that says, well, you're going to die, and that's it, and we're not going to give you any uh, symptoms or you know pre-diagnosis. You're just going to drop dead one day, and that's what happened to them. Writers write, Ritters die unexpectedly. He didn't really, you know, he didn't really show any signs that he was going to die. Like, um, no, he um, just showed what's the, his name, the, um, the passing out and the turning blue. I mean, Swayze's showing every signs of death right now. Yes, yes, he is. And I wish people would stop taking his picture at this point. Patrick Swayze. Oh man, he's a he's a walking stick. Like, no, he's walking so faces of death. Video. No good. Yeah, he looks uh, he looks very unpleasant. Like yes. in the movie Ghost too. Don't you think if you can I just say did you hear? And I, I want to. To dwell on Patrick Swayze because there's other stuff to get because there's all this John Ritter news. Um, there was and uh, I had been tipped about this before I actually heard it, but like the the day the Patrick Swayze news came out, so immediately, so Timmy's in the studio like five minutes later cutting a uh, you know seventy seconds you'll never I'm get back run. exactly. Yeehaw! And he and he's like hey you like, and I walk by the studio as he's doing it and he goes hey so you like this one it has uh it has hippies and something else and and Patrick Swayze. And I was like, oh God, what, you know, what in the name, what in the name of God is he saying about Patrick Swayze? And I really was, a- I was apprehensive. I thought, oh God, it's not going to be funny, and it's just going to be him saying like, F Patrick Swayze. I'm, I'm glad he's dying. Like I, I really feared for the worst. And then I have to say, I listened to it, and God help me, I laughed, and so did Seamus. I think. What was, the, what did it say? Uh, I will paraphrase, uh, but basically what he said is, I don't mean to be doing your own bit standing next to you, but basically... How about, what he, you, in, how about you imitate me doing my own bits? No, but what he basically said, I'm not going to do that, but what he basically said is, he said, you know, Patrick, he did the setup and the, you know, the setup, the punchline, the, you know, the classic style. He said, Patrick Swayze has been diagnosed with an untreatable form of pancreatic cancer. He has been given five weeks to live. Uh, in other news, Paramount Pictures has already signed Swayze's soul to star in Ghost 2. <laughs> 
Well, tell me See, again. I did not laugh. I breathed. Laughed. You just laughed. I have a cold. God help me. I laughed when I heard it. <laughs> with production on the film to slated, begin Slated to begin in five weeks. That was the other thing. With, with production of the film slated to begin in five weeks. Occasionally, I write funny lines. <laughs> it was, I, and I know Every I'm, once in a while. It was awful of me to laugh, but I did. So You're going to hell. Yeah, I know. What can you right do? along with me. All right. Here's uh, Timmy Ryan. All right. As reported earlier... You go swimming in Fano Creek in Portland, you're going to be covered in crap. A section of sewer pressure line broke in the Garden Home area of southwest Portland, and sewage has run into the creek. The city said people should avoid contact with Fano Creek downstream of the spill through Sunday because of the bacteria in the water. The line broke near southwest 77th Avenue and Garden Home Road. Sewage created a hole about five feet deep. It's like a whole honey bucket. Maintenance crews estimated that sewage flowed from the hole at a rate of about 30 gallons per minute. <laughs> Maintenance crews confirmed the break Thursday night and diverted flow from the pressure line to stop the leak. Jesus, it's like one of those oil gushers that they when they hit a strike in Texas, but it's just crap. Uh, well, here, here's my theory. See, it was in southwest Portland. If this would have happened in, like, southeast, they just would have said to hell with it. I would know, they never would have fixed it. <laughs> they would have just, a new man-made lake is here. I remember when I grew up in Kennewick, there was this... Um, like a man-made, uh, man-made lagoon, uh, sort of. It was uh, not a swimming pool, but it was. It was supposed to. It was basically supposed to look like a lake, uh, but it was a man-made lake uh, near uh, in, in in Columbia Park, which is down near the river. But at one point, and I don't know why. Why would you do this? I don't understand why. You say, well, we've got this man-made lake we've just built. So it's basically a huge cement swimming pool made to look like a lake. I know what we should do. Let's run a sewage pipe right underneath it. And so, of course, what inevitably happens is everybody starts noticing the water seems unusually warm. And, well, and also it filled with, you know, scum. And it's because the sewage pipe had broken, and it was just pouring sewage into the man-made lake for, like, three months. And no one ever, well, I don't know, this, uh, this lake seems awfully silty today. Swimming in a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> Really? Swimming in a porta potty I mean, I mean, that's it, man. I mean, you just don't even want to think about that. And, of course, I swam in that. I sound like Chief Brody. You know, my kids were out there. I, uh, and you, that's the sort of thing where it's so vile and horrible, you just have to block the entire thing out and just don't even think about it. Because, really, there's no, there's no shower strong enough for that. This is a side note, but I'm looking at a picture of John Ritter. And if you lost your glasses and gained, like, 50 pounds in the face, you'd look just like him. Me? Really? Yeah, I think so. You have, you have, you have kind of a John Ritter... Hold on, let me Hold on. Let's, let's go back. Yeah, Hold on. Go back. You can't say that and not have a picture up. It, it was up two seconds ago, and I clicked off. Hold on. So you're saying, like, like uh, just pre-death John Ritter. Yeah. See, hold on here. It got rid of it. It got rid of it. I was on the uh, the news page, uh, and it's rid of it. Now I'll never know. All right. Well. Well, now I must be Googling John Ritter. All right. And somebody John else. John Ritter's not a bad-looking guy. He was yeah. kind of handsome and problem kind child. Of, in kind of a goofy sort of a way. Kind of a dopey-looking guy, but I mean, you know, not not I'm not ugly. Yeah, I'm not knocking you, Rick. Um, I really liked him in It. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy says, "I thought uh, not swimming in the rivers was something we learned long ago. Do we really still need warnings about staying out of the water?" So wait, now this this uh, this isn't a lake. Where? What lake is this? Oh, it's Fan Creek. Where? Which is where? It's near Garden Home Road, and it's southwest. 77th Avenue. Well, that's why. It's southwest. People think that's, they get a different kind of water than we do typically. They do. All right. Yeah. Here's uh, Timmy Ryan with your news. Okay. Legally blind incoming New York governor inspires the disabled. When David Patterson takes office this Monday after uh, Spitzer 
resigns today, to become the nation's first legally blind governor among those watching with the greatest interest will be those who cannot see. Peterson's rise Did to you governor. really just say that? Yes. Did you write that intentionally? Those watching with the greatest interest will be those who cannot see? No, I just kind of cut and pasted. Okay. All okay. right. Patterson's rise to governor has served as a great source of inspiration to blind Americans, many of whom believe his newfound power will make the country more open-minded about disabilities. I have a great idea. And by great, do you oh. mean offensive? Okay. Please tell me it's not some sort of a dating service for blind people. No. Legally blind date. Okay. That would be a cool show, Legally Blind Date. That's kind of funny. I think so. All right. I can say that because my sister's legally blind. You know what it is? That's a uh, that's a smile joke. That's not a laugh joke. That's a smile joke is what that is. All right. If you're ugly dating a blind person, would be the best bet. Well, you know, okay, now, see, now we have to talk about like it. Like, curb your enthusiasm. Uh, yes, and I was going to go another way. I was going to talk about uh, Stevie Wonder. Because if you remember, it came out a few years back that Stevie Wonder... Uh, well, no, I, I don't think it, I don't think it was a scandal or anything because I think he's single at the time or whatever. whatever it doesn't matter. But he had but he had several mistresses, and there were a couple different issues at play with Stevie Wonder having numerous mistresses. One is, and this is true, he had purchased homes for his various mistresses. You know, just sort of kept women or whatever. But the, but the deal is, every one of the homes was built on the same blueprint because he wanted to be able to find his way around. Like he wanted to be able to. He wanted to be, I was going to say come in late at night, but I guess it doesn't matter. He wanted, to, he wanted to be able to come in and find his way to the bedroom. And so when he, and that's just one of those things you don't think about. Like that's a little bit of, that's some logistics that don't really occur to you unless you are blind yourself. So Stevie Wonder had three different mistresses. He built them three different homes, but every one of the homes had exactly the same floor plan so that he could find his way to the bedroom. But then somebody else raised a really good point, which is, Unless they all had some sort of odd specialty, if you're blind, why do you really need more than one mistress? Do you know what I mean? I mean, really, what is the point of that? Because he's still a rich rock star. I mean, is it, it just so he could say he had three? Is exactly. it just like a? It's kind of like a staple. I mean, if you're a, a rock star, you have to have multiple girls. It's just like having things on a charm bracelet. You right. just need, just you just need you more. Just doesn't mean you don't want to poke. <laughs> <laughs> you should put that on a fortune cookie. As a matter of fact, it probably makes you want to poke more because you don't know what they okay. look like. So, okay, let's you're, stop. No, see, now I have to bleep it. See? So now nobody's going to hear all the now nobody's gonna Now nobody's going to hear the last comment, which was funny. What's wrong with saying what I just okay. said? Because it's just icky. Don't say that. You know who does say that? Hey. Dr. Laura. Dr. Laura, of all people, uses that phrase that well, he just said. she's the one who's said. all naked on the Internet, of right? Course, of course, that's true. She's the one who keeps showing off her... Uh, Can her I say W&W? Sure. Fine. Okay. I mean, it's... it's I, I'm just like saying... Like the blend of, brand of my lip gloss, my wet and wild. Yes, it's exactly. Anywho, so Stevie Wonder, three mistresses. This is Timmy Ryan. All right, here we go. Uh, entertainment news. Somebody actually watched on Leno last night, and she sucked. Mini Driver is on her way to being a mom. The Oscar-nominated actress confirmed during her appearance on The Tonight Show last night, where she performed horribly, that she's expecting her first child. However, she's not going to say who the sperm donor is. Is she going to name it Matt Damon and then kill it? Maybe. <laughs> no, she's one of those uh, Hollywood celebs that really thinks she's musically talented, and she only quasi is. My only, my, no, see, my thing with that is Minnie Driver... I see. I take. I'm, I, I I think the same thing, but about a different aspect of her. Minnie Driver is one of those women who, for a few years, was inexplicably labeled really hot by everybody. 
I thought I she just, was really good looking in uh, Goodwill Hunting. She looked really good. See, I did. I just didn't see it. I didn't see it, and I didn't see it in. Uh, wasn't she in Gross Point Blank too? She. She did play the DJ. She did, yeah. In Gross Point Black, oh, yeah, Minnie Driver. She yeah, she's one of the main characters. I think Minnie Driver is one of those women that other women think are beautiful, but I the guys she, are indifferent to. I remember seeing her in Circle of Friends when I was younger. I thought that she was really pretty. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe she's pretty. That's the thing. She might be pretty. I don't think there's anything really hot about her, but she wasn't... And in list- Return to Me... Oh. Which is what? It's one of the most depressing movies ever. It stars David Duchovny as well. And it's about um, his wife at the beginning like works with... Um, like apes or monkeys or something, and um, she dies in a horrific car accident. And Minnie Driver needs a heart transplant, and she ends up getting David Duchovny's wife. Oh God! Heart. Really? Are you and kidding me? And then they me? end up meet, yeah, and then they end up meeting and falling in love, and then you know there's the whole trouble about he, he realizes that Minnie Driver's the one who has his wife's heart, and it's just eyeball every time. Now why? Really now, d- 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 now d- and is he torn? Is he conflicted <sighs> about it? Okay, he's conflicted because she writes the person a letter because it's anonymous, you know, and so she finally she carries this letter around with her for a year, you know, waits for like the scar to heal and everything, and then finally mails it. So then they start dating, they fall in love. She never really talks about the um, hard things. So it's like downstairs making her dinner one night, and she goes upstairs and she looks on his desk and she realizes that he has the letter that. It's so awful too. Oh. It's so sad the way his wife dies. Like, uh, Are you about to cry? This is like that it's movie. Really uh, this is like that movie Bounce with Ben Affleck and uh, is it Cameron Diaz? Oh, with Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. I always get them confused. Where it, isn't Bounce the thing uh, where he <gasps> where misses like, a flight and like the guy who gets the flight dies and it's like the plane crashes. I saw that. And so he long ends ago. up. He ends up. I think the deal is Ben Affleck is late for a flight. He misses the flight. Another guy gets his seat. The plane crashes. And then later, he meets and, of course, falls in love with that guy's widow. And then, of course, it comes out at some point that the only reason she's a widow is because the, the husband got Ben Affleck's seat on the flight. Oh. Here's the, the, the effed up thing about that movie, though. Here's why Bounce is a terrible movie. Great premise. You can totally see them in the room pitching that, uh, where the guy goes, Ben Affleck misses a flight. The guy who gets the flight dies when the plane crashes. Ben Affleck falls in love with the widow, never knowing the truth. I mean, I'd buy that. You just 30 seconds. I'd pay money for that. Here's the thing. You watch that movie, the, sequ- the, the scene where he reveals uh, to Gwyneth Paltrow the deal, mm-hmm. they don't show it. What? They don't. It's like one day they're happy, and then the next day they just show her like sitting alone in her apartment having dumped him. You don't get to see the reveal. See, that's the good part, yeah, in this one, because you, you get to see it, and they have the con- she confronts him about it, and then he has the problem, and she's all heartbroken and then goes to Paris to, to paint, because that was always her dream in the need. Of course. I, I think the yet. problem is Ben Affleck. I mean, Ben Affleck to me is one of those guys that comes to a job interview and just like nails it and gets everybody really confident about himself. And then when, it ti- when it's time to do the job, he can't do it. He can't deliver and perform. I think deliver and perform. Uh, I think Ben Affleck chose the wrong films for a long time because you know where he was really good was in Hollywood Land. He was fantastic in Hollywood Land. Problem with Ben Affleck, not a leading man. Geely. Well, see, but it's unfair. It's unfair to say Geely because everybody has like a Geely in their past. I think everybody has that. The problem with Ben Affleck though is because he has that big jaw. He has like the classic '50s good looks. Everybody assumes he can like carry a whole picture. That's so true. He's like, he's a he's a best friend. Yeah. He is. A, he's a he's or he a, just a, a like co-star. a partner in crime. Yeah, a co-star. He, exactly. you, know, you know why? Put him next to Matt Damon. He's fine. Put him next to Jason Lee in Chasing Amy. He's fine. Put him next to Adrian Brody in Hollywoodland. Fine. Try to make him carry a whole film. Daredevil. He's terrible. Mm-hmm. So that's he's just a. You know who else is like that to me? And I know I, a lot of people disagree with me in this. To, to me, Adam Sandler is kind of like that. Really? Where Adam Sandler? Don't get me wrong. He's he's famous and funny and people like him and whatever. To me, 
watching him try to carry a whole film by himself is a little is a little painful. I prefer it when he is matched up with somebody. Like the wedding singer. The wedding singer kicked ass. The wedding I, singer. I own that movie. The I wedding singer is not a bad film. No, again, don't get me wrong. He's funny, but I do think Happy Gilmore. I funny. think his movies are good, but I think those the uh, like in those movies when he's on screen with somebody who is equally sort of charismatic, I think he's even better. I think when he's on screen, basically just by himself, or God, that what is that Big Daddy where it's him and the kid? That was horrible. That was I a mean, bad movie. Right, because there's nobody there to help pull the weight. I think he can't carry scenes by himself. I think it's one of the reasons why Punch Drunk Love wasn't very good. Well, no, mm-hmm. it's just one of those movies where he shouldn't have been involved in because that's that's not his uh, that's not his style. No, but they all want to do have that all those people point. in there though. They always want to have the romantic comedies bring the chicks in, so they don't just bring the guys that want to see toilet humor for you know an hour and a half. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 Real quick thing about Mini Driver's singing talent. Uh, now I've never heard her or sing. Lack thereof. What kind She's of music does voice. she do? Does she sing well, well? She did a cameo in The World Is Not Enough Bond movie. She was the girlfriend of the uh, Russian mafia guy, right. and uh, she was a lounge sing- really bad lounge singer. <laughs> so I just thought maybe she wasn't acting enough. <laughs> All right, thank you. I've never heard her sing. I've heard her sing. I thought she had a really beautiful voice. Mediocre. I think it's easy to slag on celebrities who try to who try to sing. Like it's sort of a, how dare you try to have more than one talent. But there are people, I mean, there are people who are legitimately good, and then there are people who just, just flat out where it's just ass. Don Cheadle's a great singer. You know, and, and you know who haunts all of these? Oh, I just uh, like Don Cheadle. I all, love Don Cheadle. All I'm of sure these uh, these, actors, these these actors are all haunted by Bruce Willis doing uh, The Return of Bruno. That's the thing that the cast all over all is like a shadow. That was a good album. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Don't ever say that. Respect yourself. Don't, don't, ev- don't ever say that. Hi, yes, what's up? I was called to agree with Sarah that Return to Me is actually a, is a pretty good movie, and I mean David Duchovny's uh, charming in it, not his usual wooden self. And it's just totally David Duchovny. Very, it's a very enjoyable little movie. Here's David Duchovny's another one of those guys like Ben Affleck, where it's all about putting him in the right role. Uh, if you try to give David Duchovny certain types of films, it really is like you're trying to watch. It's like trying to watch a cigar store Indian act. I mean, it's just un, it's like trying to get a, it's like trying to get a rock to do cartwheels. But then you put him in the right film, like in that movie, the TV set. Uh, he's exceptional. He was really good on the X Files because Fox Mulder was supposed to be very sort of wry and impassive. It's all he about was the right Zoolander too. Return to me is. I've never seen Zoolander. I own it. I will bring it for you. I got this whole thing about Ben Stiller. I find him very off-putting. I'll say Ben Stiller's best movie, uh, Keeping the Faith, with the uh... Uh, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. You yeah. know what? You know what I saw accidentally the other day for about forty minutes. Uh, I, I say as though I had the as though I was not able to turn the TV off. I saw the last forty minutes of Night at the Museum on HBO the other day. Oh, that's dragging. Wow, boy, is that terrible. That's just that is just it's like one big kick in the soul over and over. All right, thank it's, you. All right. All right. So I found Minnie Driver singing. All right. So All right. this is now from where, from where is this? This is a music video that she made. It's called Minnie Driver Invisible Girl. I got it from. Right. So it's not her live. No, no, I found her live, but they're cheering. Okay, just get over it, Timmy. Just. That you got a pleasant voice. Yeah, I mean, nothing exceptional. It's, uh, yeah, it's not exceptional. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's terrible. I wouldn't say it's great. I mean, it's not bad. No, I just have a problem with Hollywood celebrities who have a mediocre, you know, singing voice or musical ability like Kevin Bacon or Minnie Driver, who then get spots on high-profile high, high profile shows like, you know, uh, The Late Show with, 
Jay Leno, uh, while you have struggling bands out there who totally kick ass, who never, you know, the light of day never gets shine on. Well, All right, here she is live right. playing with Pete Townsend. In your face. <laughs> but what is Pete Townsend really doing nowadays besides getting busted? Don't be an ass. wrong with that voice no and and i don't hear the thing and you can have all the problems in the world with the record company who signs her or the talent agents that book her but it's also not incumbent upon her to turn down a record contract because she's already famous like the idea that she should somehow say no 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 i don't want to sing because she's famous is sort of like people who say the dixie chicks ought to not answer a political question when they're asked because they're famous so have a problem with the reporter who asked the question or with jay leno for booking her but to have a problem with her because she accepted a record contract is that's just retarded. That just makes no sense, Timmy Ryan. Uh, wait, let's do these and then we'll. Jesus, is it 12:30? Yeah. How is that possible? I, I make time know. go fast. I think really, I think there's like a wormhole or something. I see that time. Ah, uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hi, Rick. What's up? Um, well, I have a phrase I use, and I thought I'd share it with you guys because it's kind of indirectly inspired by you. Yes. Um. What it is, it's for when I, I'm a teacher, so I get in the classroom a lot of kids go rambling on and what, on. Uh, they what find, age child do you teach? Uh, sixth grade. Okay. And they go on and on and on with the story until they finally get to a point where they go, can I turn my homework in tomorrow? You know, that, that kind of story. You probably have at work where someone's going on and on about what they did last night, blah, 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 and then they finally go, do you and, want a copy of this? And it's all, like a, it's all like a lead up to the fact that they haven't done their work. Yeah. All right. Or I get at home with my wife where she'll have, She's going to ask me to do something. She thinks I'm going to say no, so she's got an argument prepared. Right. And she asked me, and I go, sure. And I still got to hear the argument. Right. You know. So anyways, the phrase I use, instead of, you know, knock it off, I get the point, is um, stop shaking the globe. And stop shaking the globe means you're telling me a story that's not related to what you're going to ask me. Have I now? Have I ever said that? No, but it comes from, uh, comes from something that you talk about often, or once in a while. Which is a, what? Saying elsewhere. Oh, oh, Tommy Westfall. Yeah. In other words, stop shaking the snow globe. In other words, the whole, you know, saying the whole story of saying elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, Was yeah. made up, so it had nothing to do with real life. Okay. So fair enough. Basically, when someone's doing that, I just look at the kids and go, "Stop shaking the globe." Excellent. Now, here's the thing: is that because you are molding uh, the minds of American youth in ten or twelve years, that might actually have worked its way into the cultural lexicon. Sir. Maybe, maybe I should copyright it or something. No, uh, the thing we say in radio uh, a lot, and this is because we work in close proximity to salespeople upstairs. There is this phrase, not. Just in radio sales, but in sales where they say, don't sell past the close. And that's a thing we say a lot here. And that is where, like, when you have made the point and people sort of acknowledge the point, yeah. and then you could, no, 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 let me continue to make the point nine different times. Exactly. That's when you say, stop shaking the globe. I get it. <laughs> okay, you know, here's the thing. For a week, I'm going to swap out uh, don't sell past the close to don't uh, stop shaking the globe. Okay. All right. Sounds thank, good. Thank Bye. you. One more, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, getting back to Richard. Wow. Hello? Hi. Jesus. What kind of phone are you on? Um, it's like you're speaking uh, through a blender. All right. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I was going to say, return to me, Carol Connors in it, which is fantastic, because anything with Archie Bunker is fantastic. But then on top of it, uh, David Duchovny was still on X-Files, and the episode with Gary Shandling where they're making the movie. Right, right. There, there's the scene at the end where they're watching it, and it says Tia Leone, Minnie Driver, David Allen Greer. They're just all panning watching it at the end, too, which I think is fantastic. Fantastic. That the company can 
you know, carry over other shows on it. Excellent. Boy, speaking of people that ought to never be given another project, Taylor Leone for a thousand, <laughs> has that woman ever been any in anything that wasn't just flat out dreadful? Well, I mean, go back to Spanglish with Adam Sandler. Spanglish. So no. <laughs> can we please? Can we please go back to Spanglish with Adam Sandler, please? Over and over. All right. Thank you, sir. Oh, I, well, I've always wanted to ask you this question. Yes. The paper. You love the movie The Paper. Right? I do. The paper. Marissa Tomei, Michael Keaton. Okay. Is that Bob Costas leaning against the urinal? Yes. When Oh, thank God. It's, that's that's driving me crazy. Bob, when the scene, the paper. Have you seen the paper, everybody? No. Oh, no. you got to see the paper. It'll it'll hit home with you. Uh, because even though it's in a newspaper, not a radio station, it is. Uh, there will be many, many things about the movie The Paper. Because it's one, it's 24 hours in the life of a newspaper reporter trying to get the paper put together and specifically trying to nail one story down. Mm. And it's it, the whole movie is like a ticking clock. It's a Ron Howard film. It's gold. Glenn Close is in it. It's wonderful. All right, it, if, you, if you get returned to me, I'll get the paper. Oh, no, I'll totally do that. Okay. Uh, no, you'll, you will totally identify with many things in the movie The Paper. But uh, there's a sequence where Glenn Close chases Jason Robards into the bathroom to demand a raise. And Bob Costas is looking. He's at the, the urinal. And you know who's in the stall looking over? No. MTV News reporter Kurt Loder. Yes, sir. You can tell from the top of his from the top of his head. Brilliant. All right, thank you, sir. Have a good day. Great movie, the paper. All right, we come back. More news with Timmy Ryan. Uh, let's see uh, what else. Scott Daly will be here later on. Top five. James Roop and so forth. Stay there. This is the uh, Groovy Ghoulies. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 Still to come, James Roop. Uh, Scott Daly will be here. He'll do his uh, top five TV theme songs of all time as well. Well, there's no time to do anything. Uh, hello, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hey, Rick. My hey. head about exploded last night. Uh, Wednesday night. I bought uh, Morgan Grace CD at the, at the show. Excellent, at the Slabtown show. Right, it was great. Took your hand, it was great. It was a great show. Um, last night, sitting with my 16-year-old daughter, kind of showing her some different type of music. And well, First of all, we have to back up. How old are you? <laughs> 39. 39. Does your, does your 16-year-old daughter resist your attempts to give her music tips? Uh, no, no. Okay. She's, she's pretty open about okay, it. And she, we listened through, I don't know, 15 tracks, all, all of the stuff. It was great. Loved it. We talked about it as it went along. Really enjoyed it. Which Morgan Grace album did you buy? I don't know. I do know that the reason I bought it as a second song was Mean Drunk. So. Uh, which I <laughs> think is The Sound of Something Breaking. There's two. There's The Sound of Something Breaking and there's The Rules of Attraction. That's or the rules, the rules of dating. Of dating. The rules of dating. Anyway, at any point were you? Uh, was it awkward to listen to a Morgan Grace album all the way through with your daughter? Uh, there, no. There okay. was one song that was a little uh, essay, which was a little funny. Uh, but no, I, okay. that one was fine. There were right. some songs that night that might be a little uh, awkward. Okay. But uh, so she liked it, and we get done, and we're in the car by the way. So we get done, and she turns on the radio. To, I think, Z100. And she starts belting out the lyrics of a Miley Cyrus song. <laughs> okay? I just wanted to die. Like, every bit of 
So you felt like all of your work was becoming undone at that one moment. Exactly. Like somebody, exactly. like somebody had pulled the, uh, like somebody had pulled the unravel cord on a backpack, and everything that you had carefully <laughs> piled into there was just falling onto the jungle floor. Very, very true. Uh, yeah. You know what? That's okay. You know what? The idea, the fact that your daughter likes Morgan Grace uh, and simultaneously knows the lyrics to Miley Cyrus songs is no reason to be concerned. Exhibit A, I give you Sarah Dillon. Uh, who is, uh, really, I have to say, has pretty exceptional music taste, but really can sit here and tell you the lyrics to almost any New Kids on the Block song and or the theme to Save by the Bell. Well, so I wouldn't, I, guess, I wouldn't worry about that. And whose ringtone for many, many months was a Kelly Clarkson song. So it's uh, it's nothing to get say, yourself in a like, twist over. i got to say, I like Ricky Martin, so I, you know, I guess I'm not so good you know, either. Uh, it's, uh, we, all, we all have our secret vices, sir. All right, thanks, all right, Rick. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Here's uh, Timmy Ryan in for Tim Riley. Hi, you're going to be going out and getting drunk to St. Patrick's Day? Sure. Of course you are. I'm already drunk. Um, I actually have a tradition. When it falls on a Monday, I start on Friday night. This year will not only be a big night out for many people in the Portland and Vancouver and surrounding areas, it will also be a big night out for increased interagency saturation patrols targeting impaired and dangerous drivers. So if you're drunk, don't be driving. Otherwise, you're going to get nap or a DUI, and that's no fun. Wait, so it's on, when is it? Sunday? Monday. Monday. Monday it's yeah. on Monday. Yeah. All right. Okay. But, I mean, yeah, I think it is this coming Monday, because I think today's the 14th. Yeah, because my, my birthday was the 7th, which makes this a week later, which is the 14th. And then 15, Easter 15, is next weekend, 17th. right? Yeah, that's the week I'm going to be in Vegas. So the, uh, I'm going to go visit my folks. I, my mom and I had a talk about it, and I'm just like, I will come and visit you, if only if you understand that I'm not going to church. Oh, for Easter? Yeah. You just flat out said there I would be her, no I, I more church going for I me. can't do it anymore, no. And I told her, I'm like, I don't want to, I'm like, I will come and visit, and we'll have much fun. I'm like, but I do not want any guilt trips about church. Is that because the last time you went was that they gave you those brochures about, like, stamping out gayness or something? I just, I can't do it. Yeah. I could not do it. I know it's only, like, 45 minutes out of my life, but I, I I can't do You're it. You're not serving our Lord, our God, by not going to church on Easter Sunday. It's true, but I did grab some uh, pamphlets from, um, you know, all the, the, church, the evils good church folk. Of, the evils of pornography. Also the one about what to do if you've been humped by a priest. So oh that was a lot of fun. All right, excellent. Did you say that they just built a new church or that they were soliciting for something? Because your parents tied 10%. I don't mean to laugh. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be a little the fact that your parents go to church. But I'm saying, you, did you ever look around and, and just realize? It makes me... I'm, like how much money one's because pa- Lars' parents do that. You know? It was like when they told me that they voted for George Bush. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of you died inside. Just a little bit. <laughs> I remember when, last election season we didn't speak for like two months. Yeah, it's uh, it's like well, I've never mind. Anyway, um, yeah, and they they've donated thousands yeah. of dollars. Yeah. Not just thou- thousands, thousands. Well, that's you know, it, everybody does have that moment though where you just you realize. Uh, like uh, Lara has told the story about because she grew up Mormon and the Mormons they they micromanage your entire uh, week. There's there's something every single day if you grow up in a Mormon family. There's something there's a thing called family home evening which is Monday. There's like a thing which is the Relief Society which is like a woman's organization. There's a primary thing which is like for kids. There's uh, Sunday where they have church like all day long. It's like in three different stages. Anyway, she talked about how when she moved away from home and quit going to church, and I hope her parents aren't listening to this because they think she still goes, when she moved away from home and quit going to church, she said it was amazing because it was like discovering a whole different day of the week that you'd forgotten existed. Mm-hmm. She's like, it was, she's like she suddenly had a whole different, you know, she had an, an additional day to live every week. She didn't have to go to bed early on Saturday. She didn't have to get up early on Sunday. She was able to actually go out and, like, you know, enjoy her life. So I'm not trying to knock people to go to church. I'm just saying, for those of us that opted to quit going, 
It is really just the most liberating, freeing experience on earth. And I, you know, it's fun watching mass on TV while well, drinking oh, a I'm, beer, <laughs> flipping by, flipping by, and staying on it for ten seconds, or going no. I'll watch TBN for hours. Sometimes. <laughs> the, the I really, it is almost worth going back to church. Uh, like maybe once or twice a year, just to sort of remind yourself of how glad you are that you no longer have That's to That's what I do. About once or twice a year, I'll still pop in. Yeah, just See, rem- I think I was just so forcibly, like, I, I had to go there, you know, so much so where my parents were like, hey, so you know that whole college thing you got accepted to? We're not going to help you out with college unless uh, you get confirmed. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't think you ever told me that. Really? It's really, oh, man. I, I knew you got confirmed, there. but I didn't know that it was, be- I didn't know you were sort of, you know what it is? That's just like the Gilmore Girls. That's exactly... Did you watch The Gilmore Girls? Did no. you ever? I, I've just seen a couple episodes. I liked it. Great show. Watch it. Don't, but it's a great show. Uh, but, you know, the premise of The Gilmore Girls is that Lauren Graham, Lorelai Gilmore, is estranged from her parents, but she's also a single mom, doesn't have a lot of money. And so the grandparents make this deal. They're like, you know what? We will pay for your daughter's private education, but you must come have dinner with us every Friday for as long as she's in school. So the deal is she doesn't want to see her parents, but the only way they'll pay for the daughter's education is if Lauren Graham goes to have dinner with them every single Friday. Oh, boy. And she and they're like, if you quit having dinner with us, we'll quit paying for her school. And so that's totally... That's what happened. I was like, I went through the whole confirmation process. You know, I had to do all the retreats and everything. And at the end of it, I sat my parents down. I'm like, you know, this really isn't what I believe in. I really... I'm not that comfortable with the church. I, I don't want to do this. And my mom said, well, do you want to go to college? Oh! Right in the balls. Yep, so... I had to do it. Some of those retreats can be fun. Like, I utilize them for uh, girl purposes. Please, t- Of course you did. Please tell me you were confirmed. Were you? <clears throat> no. Okay. Well, no, neither no, was my I. Mom, my mom tried to make me. No. And, I, and I'm like, I'm not going to do these things. No, no. I, I just wasn't into it. So what is the confirmation? So I've never been to a confirmation. I don't, you know, I still don't even know what it was. Like, I'm just still confused by Catholicism. Anyway, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's... I don't. I'm confirmed to do what? I have no idea. But what was the actual ceremony? To go was to it like a baptism or something? I don't even remember. Yeah, some baptism. Now you're like a soldier for Jesus, and they give you some weird, <laughs> um, like middle name. You pick out another name of of a saint, and like. Excellent. So it was like, uh, but it was like, so you're 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 like you're super Catholic. Yeah. You're not just Catholic. You're sort of like you're I know really it was lots Catholic. and lots of classes. And you had to go and like a retreat, like a where you would go for the weekend and like yeah, studying the of word retreats, of whatever. Class. I had to go to church like. Like twice a week for like some like all kinds of seminars and meetings and wow. stuff. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, that certainly. Did you get any money out of the deal? Like at your confirmation party? I got a college education out of that. That's the deal. A, yeah. She got the gift of knowledge. <laughs> that's a that I didn't know that. Well, that certainly is seeds for bitterness. I don't have anything like that. All I have, the only story I have that's even like that, is that when I moved away from home, uh, my my grandmother who was an evil crone of a woman, but the one she did she did is she signed me up for. Sounds so ghetto, but she signed me up for AAA. So we didn't have any money, so that was good. Uh, but she signed me up for AAA under the uh, but under the agreement that I would cut my hair. Uh, and so I totally lied about it. Like I would go see her with a baseball cap on or whatever. And finally, she just <laughs> fig- she figured it out and demanded that I cut my hair. And I said no. And so she canceled my AAA because <laughs> she was cause she was a whore. So um, so she just yeah. So she canceled me. So what can you do? All what right, here's, can you do? here's Timmy Ryan. Let's do a cannibal watch. This is a double cannibal watch, by the way. Double it's cannibal watch. Fantastic. Here's your cannibal watch for Friday. Here's Timmy Ryan with your double cannibal watch. All right, first one. 
Dateline, the Netherlands, where nothing good happened. Now wait a minute, hold on. Let me show me which one you have on top there. Hold on, we have we have this and this. I think yeah, we want to go with uh, yeah, we want to go with this one first, and then go to that one. All right, we will do it. Here we go. Grim tales of cannibalism highlighting the brutality of West Africa's civil wars emerged in testimony on Thursday at the war crimes trial of former Liberian President Charles Taylor. Joseph Zigzag Marzab, who described himself as Taylor's chief of operations and head of the death squad before Taylor became president, said African peacemakers and even United Nations personnel were killed and eaten on the battlefield by Taylor's military men. Prosecutors described Maraz as a key witness with inside knowledge of the former Liberian president's operation in Liberia and neighboring Sierra Leone, where he is accused of, responsi- where he's accused of responsibility for the widespread murder, rape, and amputations committed by soldiers loyal to him. Prodded under cross-examination by defense lawyer Courtney Griffith, Marza gave sometimes graphic descriptions of cannibalism that alter between the ritual taking of vengeance and the practical need for food. Here are questions that were asked to him back and forth. Did Charles Taylor order you to eat people? Griffith asked. <laughs> what kind of a job is this? I have never in my life worked at a job where on cross-examination I'm going to be asked if I was forced to eat someone. Did Charles Taylor order you to eat people? Griffith asked. Yes. To set an example for people to be afraid, Marza replied. He appeared to be unfazed by Griffith's blunt queries and responded in a matter-of-fact tones to such questions as, How do you prepare a human being... For the pot. Marzah then described the splitting, cleaning, decapitating, Ew. and cooking of the corpse with salt and pepper. <laughs> we throw your head away, then, he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's the final insult, by the way. We kick your head into a ditch. How many soldiers did you eat, the attorney asked. We ate a few, but not many. But many were executed, about 68, the witness said. Which ones taste the best? Griffith asked. <laughs> there were no... It's almost hard to read. There was all no alternative but to do it your way. Enemies, he was told, are no longer human beings. Fantastic. That's kind of a good line, though. Enemies are no longer human beings. I eat your liver. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That was the smallest print ever, by the way. No, you had had a Tim Riley moment there, too, where you were squinting and holding it under the light, desperately trying to read the print. I'm trying to read it, but it's just my eyes didn't want to focus. We should begin doing that here. Every time we beat Clear Channel in the ratings, we should go over and we should eat someone. Like uh, the bowling woman, perhaps. We'll start with her courage, also her spine. Uh, here's uh, part two of the Cannibal Watch. Yeah, this involves Germans who, you know, never make for good stories. This is the best one, really. This is of the two. And by best, you mean worst. This is really a fantastic story on many, many levels. Two German Air Force sergeants are facing court martials for cannibalism after drying their own blood to make hearty black puddings. <laughs> It was that involuntary inhalation right there that made the whole thing worthwhile. The two men, based at a fighter squadron based near Munich, were photographed siphoning off their own blood to mix with a mixture of onions, bacon, spices, and breadcrumbs, according to the recipe of a grandmother of one of them. Their efforts were published on the Internet, promptly drawing the kind of response that cannibal killer Armin Mayuzis... Whatever the hell his That's name is. That's the guy that met the dude in the chat room who wanted to be eaten. Yeah. Okay. Got when he sought a victim to kill in his remote farmhouse home in Germany 2002. 
Hundreds of would-be cannibals wrote and asking them for the recipe. The men had plans to mass-produce the sausages using the blood of comrades and family members. <laughs> Only in Germany would this be considered some sort of a business scheme. Hey, wait a minute. Don't you have several sisters? Bring them on over. The men had plans to mass-produce the sausages using the blood of comrades and family members. They wanted to let in on their little scheme. But their commanding officers... Scrumpered their catering sideline when one of their fa uh, fellow soldiers complained, and I quote, I have been asked to give blood for sausage making, and I want to know if this is against regulations, end quote. <laughs> Not that he was, like, opposed to it, or that he found it off-putting or horrifying. He just wanted to know if it was against regulations to do so. Well, you know, when Germans are told to do something, they do it, no <laughs> matter how graphic. That, that really is true. The Germans, don't, the Germans don't really seem to disobey any orders, no matter how vile or weird. We genocide and kill millions of people. Well, we were told to do so. Uh, to. I don't know. They told me to do it. I, uh, do we make a video involving I, uh, fecal matter? Well, we were told to do it. I Figured it was okay. <laughs> Jesus. So I don't even... Uh, first of all, what kind of pudding is this? I don't know, like blood pudding? That's not blood pudding, because doesn't... No, there's no blood pudding. Isn't there blood sausage? Maybe. I'm asking a vegan. I realize this. I'm sorry. How the hell am I supposed to know? I don't know. Can I see that story for a second? If you can read it. <laughs> I like I like the idea that it was... Oh, wait. Here we go. No, no, no. This, no there's still more. I didn't realize there was oh, more of this. Oh, keep on giving. The girlfriend of one of them took the photos that were posted on the Internet using the nickname... This guy's, login, this guy's on his screen name was Stillborn, Ew. which shows the blood being drained and then them... Being drained from the people? Yes. Oh. And then them... I believe this is slang for eating... Tucking into the blood sausage as it lay on a bed of pureed apples and mashed potatoes. The recipe for the black pudding was found in the belongings of one of the men as they were arrested. It read, make sure the blood is fresh and the bacon cubes are finely diced with a nice proportion of fat to lean. Don't use too many breadcrumbs. But if the blood starts to curdle, stir in a teaspoon of wine and vinegar. If your blood starts to curdle. Can you the, please stop? The, the men told investigators they both have an interest in cookery and experimented making the black puddings on several previous occasions. This just confirms my belief that Germans are just generally bad people. There's something. It is Germany is the Florida of Europe. There's really no getting around that. I think Adam Carolla said that. I don't like Germans. Uh, all right. Fantastic. There's your cannibal watch. That's the best one we've had in some time, by the way. And sir, didn't you just eat pizza with sausage on it? <laughs> I did. It was damn good. It's probably blood sausage. Blood sausage in my stomach now. If your blood starts to curdle, stir in some wine. The wine sounds good. Don't use too many breadcrumbs. Here's uh, Timmy Ryan. All right, Ed McMahon is recovering. Did you know he broke his neck? No. Yeah, he did. Former Tonight Show psychic Ed McMahon broke his neck in a fall last year and was recovering after two surgeries. That, according to his publicist. Susan DeBow said he fell last March, and she doesn't know where it happened. DeBow said she was not allowed to release any further information for legal reasons. McMahon was recently seen walking around at a public event in a neck brace. So apparently he fell, and then they kept it secret. See, the weird thing is you hear about that sometimes when people break their neck, but I was just... Like, don't you always just assume if you break your neck, like you're paralyzed? But I guess not. Not necessarily. I don't really know how that works. Yeah, it's not like you're hung. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you're hung, then your neck breaks in a bad place where it can't be repaired. There are, there are always, I mean, there are certain injuries that I hear about them and I just cringe involuntarily. And it's not like, you know, and then I got my hand caught in a mulcher. I mean, it's like when you hear about somebody breaking their back. Like, that's a uniquely unpleasant thing to have happen to you, I would imagine. I 
I would imagine there's probably not even really any descriptives for that. I love Ed McMahon. He's one of those people you don't want to see get hurt. No. You know, he, he seems like kind of a cool guy. Uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, somebody just pointed... This is fantastic. Somebody just sent me a link to a Craigslist posting um, about the Rick Emerson show. And all it says is, all, uh, all lower caps, I hate Rick Emerson radio show. <laughs> Rick is lame. Rick is a weenie simpering douchebag. <laughs> simpering. Fantastic. Thank you, whoever that Would is. Would get our call number? I hate Rick Emerson show. No, they don't. Rick is lame and a weenie simpering douchebag. Thank you. Uh, I've gotten a bunch of uh, emails saying I'm a douchebag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine that's the case. Um, Rick, please ask Timmy Ryan: Would blood pudding sausage made from your own blood still be vegan? What if I stalked myself <laughs> with a bow and arrow first? Please ask, <laughs> please ask Timmy. Uh, on a side note, I was watching South Park last night, and Cartman gave Kyle AIDS. Is that? Did you see it? No. Oh, it was horrible. Can I just tell you this? How many conversations have we all had in our life? Joni and I used to do this like once a week, where you would say the phrase, "Hey, did you see that South Park?" Where, and then it was followed by like the most insane thing you'd ever heard in your entire life. You know, just when I think South Park can't push the edge anymore. They just continue to do so. Hey, I mean, did was... you see that South Park where that uh, rodent came out of that guy's lower intestine to fight crime or whatever the hell that that, that Lemmy Winks episode was? Right. And here's the worst part. They had Cartman dressed up like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Aww. They had him wearing like the hat with a pee on it and a scarf. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and kind of the grayish hair, yeah. <laughs> did he sing opera? Please tell me he sang opera at one point. Or like a... But except with South Park, it wouldn't be opera. It'd be like a Journey song. Okay, can. Like... That was a little freaky. Okay, can. Don't... Okay, don't do that anymore. That's weirding me out. I can do a perfect Cartman. I would, please, I'm asking you now, on the record, let it be known, known that I'm asking you not to do that. Uh, let's see here. Um, somebody who broke his neck is on the phone. Also, somebody about confirmation. Also, a question for Timmy Ryan. Um, let's do this one. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who's this? Hey, this is Paul. What's up? Hey, uh, it sounds like uh, those confirmation classes that, uh, that Sarah was taking was uh, one step toward memory. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, but what? what? It, she was like one step away from being a nun because that's, you know, I went through confirmation classes too, and we didn't have to go to any retreat. We didn't have to pick out a new Catholic name. Huh. Are you sure you were really confirmed in the Catholic Church? Yes, I was. Because everybody the, I the ever... Classes, the classes my mom tried to tell me were part of confirmation until I talked to the what? nun was uh, for being a deacon. See, because everybody I know that was confirmed chose a different name. They all chose, no, like, even the know. guys. Uh, like, because I mean, I told the story before, but everybody everybody in my sort of circle of friends, uh, you know, they were all, mostly they were they were Catholic. Um, and uh, anyway, but they, I was the only one that didn't get confirmed, and everybody else sort of did, and they all sort of picked some weird, like, secret spy name or whatever to go with their, uh, their new confirmation. Uh, uh, I don't know. We never had to. And, and then uh, these other classes, I was told... At the time, I had to take. I've at least, be, I've at least that Dave Jardim was confirmed. Oh, she I'll goes to church. Oh uh, yeah, I'll guarantee you. She although she goes to a Baptist church, but didn't we figure out that she was a Catholic at one point? Maybe. I think she goes to a Baptist church. Now, I have to figure that out. All right. Thank, okay. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I'd like to kind of figure out what confirmation is. I really don't know. I think it's a thing, but I think it's like a Good secondary. Job, church. How did you know? How could you not know? <laughs> that's really that is emblematic of the whole church right there that you did it and went to classes for it. Couldn't describe it. Couldn't tell anybody what it is. I, I think it's like a secondary baptism. Okay, confirmation has been described as the ministry by which, through prayer with the laying on of hands by the bishop, the Holy yeah. Spirit is received to complete what he began in baptism and to give strength for the Christian life. What? I don't. I see. I still don't know what that, that means. Doesn't make any sense. I think it's like 
I think it's like this. For example, I hate to constantly be comparing Catholics to Mormons, but the deal is like Mormons don't baptize you when you're born uh, because in a rare moment of lucidity and sanity, Mormons acknowledge that if you're born, like you don't know what the hell's going on. So it, they, so Mormons wait until you're eight, I think, which is when they they think you reach the age of reason. So when you're eight years old, you are baptized because presumably at that point you're old enough to make up your mind or whatever. Blah 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 blah. But I think Catholics baptize you right away. But I think they recognize that there's like an attrition rate because people were baptized like before they had any say in it or whatever. So they try to get you to like. I think it's like getting you to re-sign when your gym membership is about to end, but it's for like for a longer period of time. I think I, I think it's like they must have figured out at some point too. Because how old were you? Sixteen, seventeen. I was uh, a senior in high school. So this yeah. makes total sense now that I think about it, because I think everybody gets con- confirmed. Everybody gets confirmed if you are already in the church. That is when you're a senior, because uh, most of my friends, and again, it's it, it's because I went to a Catholic grade in middle school, so most of the friends I grew up with were Catholic, but. All of my friends who got confirmed did so when they were seniors. This is all, I, I can suddenly see the whole thing now. Because they must have figured out at some point that 16, 17, 18, getting out of high school, going off to college, that they must have pinpointed that as the moment when the membership falls off. Mm-hmm. They must have figured that, that as soon as like you're an adult and you can go off and drink and hump and whatever, <laughs> that you wake up one Sunday and you're like, F this. And First, you must make your commitment to Jesus. Totally. So, so, so they nail you. That's exactly what it is. It's like it's like right as your uh, right as your cell phone contract is about to come up. That's when they like corner you and they're like, look, we'll give you a free phone and uh, some ringtones and this crazy frog thing. Sign up for five years, please. That's totally what it is. They must have just deduced that that's when everybody decides to run screaming from the church, and so they try to lock you in again right there on KCMD Portland. Yeah, it was it was really strange. I. I don't remember anything about it. Like it's so. Did they hold a candle or wear a dress or something? Oh yeah, there are. Do you have pictures? I'm sure. I'm sure my parents. Bring them out. Well, probably in Bremerton. Maybe I'll pick some up when I go back for Easter and not go to church. Somewhere I have pictures somewhere of me at my first. uh, What's it? My first Holy Communion. Communion. Yes. Yes. Where I had like this candle with like a little a little paper thing at the bottom to keep the (gasps) wax from burning your hand. hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somewhere also. Uh, there are photos of me as an altar boy, undoubtedly. You're I mean, an my altar mom. Boy too? Yeah, my mom. I was an altar girl. Sarah was an altar boy. Wow. Altar girl. Yeah. What's up with this whole Catholic connection with the Rick Emerson show? I think everybody. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim Riley was also a Catholic. I, I don't Kristen know. Bowie. Kristen Bowie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't speak for Richie, but I think probably the the bulk of the do. people who the the bulk the bulk of the people who work here, I think, are or were Catholic. So so there's undoubtedly photos of me wearing like the Catholic and the surplice and the whatever. Uh, were you? Did you have to wear the whole thing? Oh yeah. All right. We have I to was find an alkalite, man. Please, please find those photos. Okay. Uh, our pictures. Here's the guy who broke his neck. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Um, yeah, I was in high school and I broke my neck wrestling, <sighs> and I was paralyzed for about five hours. And oh, that had to be an swelling. unpleasant five hours. Oh yeah, spinal taps and everything. And when uh, swelling went down, I was finally able to move my fingers. Now, so okay, so uh, so you're wrestling, and then what? You just landed wrong, or? Uh, the guy did a legal move on me and dumped me on my head and broke my neck. Oh, see, that's the sort of thing that I that's. Can I just tell you? I know I'm a big pussy, but that's one of the reasons. I, in high school, for some reason, I for some reason because I'm a spindly <laughs> freak, I didn't really uh, do a lot of sports or whatever. But I got to tell you, I had. As a kid, just a terrifying, a morbid fear of being injured somehow, like doing, you know, get on this pommel horse and jump backward. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, 
And so what? So it broke, and then the swelling uh, cut off the uh, you know the, the the transmission of information from your brain to your muscles, so you were paralyzed for five hours. Yeah, something like that. I was up in the hospital. Jesus. I was on neck or on the board thing, and finally it went down, and I was able to start slowly moving my fingers. I mean, here's a dumb question, but I mean, what was it like to to after five hours of I can't feel my fingers to suddenly then be able to move them? I mean, was that like the best moment of your life? Uh, pretty much. I was pretty claustrophobic feeling during the whole time, you know, not being able to move. And finally, I started to be able to twitch one finger, and then the feeling slowly started coming wow. back, and I was able to start moving again. How long did they have you? You have one of those, like, braces or whatever for a long time then? Uh, yeah, I, I had to go up to Kaiser, and they're pretty anti-sports, and they told me I could never do a contact sport again. Well, I'm sure you were really itching to. I'm sure you couldn't <laughs> wait to get back on the mat. Ah, so. uh, three weeks. I was are back you, on the mat. Are you kidding me? No, they wanted to put a halo on me and everything, and I said, you're not screwing bolts in my head. And I had to go to a okay. private doctor and get cleared, and my parents had to pay. So like, your passion to wrestle bucks. was that strong that you went through all that work just to wrestle again? Yeah, I was pretty good at it, so. Yeah, well, okay. Jesus, no, I can't. I'd spend the rest of my life inside one of those hamster balls, you know, just just <laughs> running, running, scrabbling around to get down the hallway so nothing, like nothing, could touch me. All right, actually, well, I'm glad you're all better, sir. Was it a passion for wrestling or oh, touching other guys I'm and stand up? No, I knew that. You see, I knew you were going to say that. I'm pretty messed up, so I, I have a lot of pain and everything. So, oh, well, okay, it probably wasn't worth it in the long run, but Kids. I don't think I'm letting my son wrestle. Kids, Andrew is not a role model. No. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. Well, that ended on a down note. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. I was just calling to give guys the basic definition of being confirmed in the church. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Sarah's completely right. It's totally laborious, lots of classes. The church wants you to have simplified Bible study and all of those classes so you're a confirmed member of the church. It's almost like becoming an adult in the church. And so this is, but it's like a, but it's like baptism for adults, sort of, right? Absolutely. And is it, now you had it done? I was confirmed in the Episcopal Church, which ah. is one, one step away. Catholic wannabes. <laughs> like a Catholic, yeah. like a Catholic cover band. I guess the Episcopals let the Episcopalians let women ha be a leader in the church, and the Catholics don't. Because you're godless, Heather. That's why. So, Amen, brother. Do you guys? Do you have to pick a different name? No, no, not at all. That, but that the Catholics do. The High Catholic Church ab absolutely makes you pick another name. Interesting. All right then. And so, did now do they do it the same way the Catholics, where it's like when you're 16, 17, or a senior in high school, or whatever? Exactly. When it's the most pain in the pain in the ass time to have to do that. Well, seriously, because I mean, and now is this like a thing? Was it evenings or weekends or like when would you have to go to, to confirmation classes? It was two days a week. It was being dragged to church on Sunday, doing it after church on Sunday, and Ugh. then some Wednesday evening. Ugh. And of course, yeah. it's when you're a senior in high school when there really is nothing you want to do less than spend your Wednesday evening with a wrinkled old white man uh, who's uh, telling you about the warm embrace of Jesus. It's the way the church controls your sexuality as a teenager. No, that really is that that really is true, and it's not just as a teenager. It is both it is both before teen years, after teen years. But I think it must be especially grating during teen years. Yeah. I uh, I mean, well, look, let me just tell you this. And here's um, and I, this is actually a, a thing I've heard from several people 
uh, when I lived in Utah, they uh, the uh, Mormon Church will do. They're really hands on about some stuff. Like there's tithing in the Catholic Church where they want you to they want you to give the church 10% of your income, as Sarah's parents do. In the Mormon Church, they actually do a once a year. Uh, I forget what they call it. It's a once a year, like a it's a. a um, but it's like an audit, basically, where you yeah. sit with the bishop and he and he like flat out asks you, like, are you giving 10 percent? And you kind of got to swear in front of God and everybody that you're actually ponying up 10 percent. And if you're giving less, you have to sort of admit it um, as you are sort of uh, moving through your teen years. They also have a series of awkward discussions with you where you sit and talk to the bishop and the bishop inquires rather pointedly as to whether you have ever engaged in an act of self-satisfaction. It's so. terrifying. It's I can't terrifying. even imagine. No, yeah. I, I it really I look back and as as I, I mean, although divorce is not necessarily a pleasant thing to go to go through, I really have to say that the one fantastic side effect of my parents splitting up is that they were so distracted with hating each other that I never again had to go to church. It's like they compl- usually the well, the real tragedy of divorce is the children are sometimes forgotten. You know what? The children being forgotten was just fine with me. <laughs> I, I was I was happy to slip through those cracks. Really, I was. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Thank you, Heather. You call us anytime. Thank you. There you go. All right. You'll notice I got to that whole call without asking what celebrity she looked like. And I'm very proud of you. All right. Here's Timmy Ryan. Well, since we're talking about religion, let's move on to Obak. Did I say Obak? Oh, Jesus. How about Barack Obama's pastor? Yes. Who has been heard saying, God damn America. Isn't he? I don't think we have any audio on him, but wasn't he? Uh, wasn't it the other one? Well, I don't know. I, I don't want to be there's making stuff up. There's a DVD out. Maybe we should get it. I, I, All right. <laughs> I don't want to be making, making stuff up, but I know that there's a bunch of quotes in the article from him. There yeah. we go. In a fiery sermon taped and available on DVD, Barack Obama's longtime pastor and spiritual advisor can be seen and heard saying three times, God damn America. I'm just guessing that's how it sounds. Mm-hmm. The Reverend Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wright Jr. in his taped sermons also questions America's role in the spread of AIDS and suggested that the United States... Wait, what? The whose role in the what of what? The Reverend Jeremiah Wright Jr., that's Barack Obama's spiritual advisor and pastor, in his taped sermons also questioned America's role in the spread of AIDS and suggested that the U.S. bore responsibility for the September 11th terrorist attacks. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, you know who's really happy about this story is Hillary Clinton, of course, because Hillary Clinton won't come out and say anything about it, but she'll have some other Geraldine Ferraro type uh, come out and uh, completely spread this and then fall on the sword later. All yeah, right. somebody who, you know, had an honorary title and then stepped down. How do you, by the way, how do you step down from an honorary position? Because it was a position that's not really given to you. I don't under, And I don't even know where they found Geraldine Ferraro. I mean, I really... Uh, if Geraldine Ferraro had never, ever, 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 ever been mentioned again... I would not have missed her. I'd completely forgotten she even it's existed. It's been a while since she's been on the news for yeah. anything. No, it's true. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, douchebag Rick. Yes. No, that's uh, simp- simpering douchebag to you, sir. Oh, simpering douchebag. Yeah. Hey, now, how come you stay Catholic for so long? What do you mean? Well, I tried it once, and it scared the hell out of me. I guess I don't understand the question, sir. Well, anytime you gotta walk up in front of somebody. Wait, hold on. Let me let me hold on. Let me ask you this: Is this a real question, or is this a thing so you can give me a series of Catholic one-liners? No, it's not a Catholic one-liner. Are you asking a question, or are you making a statement because you have something else you want to follow up in saying? Is this a statement whose sole purpose is to get your jokes to the public? Well, if you want me to get my jokes to the public, I can switch over to that for you. Wait, hold on. No. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> that was easy. Well, sir, you can tell when somebody's not asking you a question because he, he wasn't asking a question. That was a statement that was going to be a bunch of statements totally. about him yelling at you about his anger at Catholicism. Well, and I could totally hear him gearing up for like open mic night there, where where I said I don't understand the question because he said why did you stay a Catholic for so long, and I said what do you mean, and he said I tried it once and that was enough for me. That should have been our tip off, and then I said I don't really understand the question, sir. And if you caught it, the first, the next thing he said was, he goes, well, I don't know, but anytime you have to kneel in front of, you could totally tell right there that it's like, uh, it's like Shecky Green at the improv. So, uh, no, we'll pass on that, but thanks for playing. Here's I don't like when someone pretends like they want to ask you a question, they don't. If you just call up and go, Rick, I have three small jokes about Catholicism that I would like to give now in no particular order. At least you get points for honesty there. All right, don't pretend to care about me if you don't, sir. That just leads to heartache <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> That's, it's things like that that made me the simpering douchebag I am. Here's Timmy Ryan. Out of all the fallen Catholics here, I'm pretty sure I'm actually the most Catholic. I've just decided that. When is the last time you went to Mass unironically? Six months ago. Really? Yeah. Why? Every oh, I went more while. recently than you. No, no, no. Once, no. No, but you went because you had to. Yeah, yeah, See, sure. I went on my own just, you know, because I had nothing to do Sunday. I'm like, Can okay. I ask you to do something before you keep before you talk anymore? <clears throat> yeah. Your right uh, cuff, your right shirt cuff is, is partially ro- right. Right. Your right shirt cuff is partially rolled up, and it's bugging the hell out of me. Are you Thank serious? You, I've been you abs- are a crazy person. Don't do that. Now he's pulling up his shirt cuff to show me his bicep. It's been bugging me this whole morning, and now I've I'm tried making very... my bicep. You want to see? Wow. I didn't see that. I coming. didn't see it either. Um, now I can't unsee it. Um, so now, did you just go just for the like the sociological aspect of it, just because it's interesting? Well, you know, I like to, I like to stay one on one with God. See, that you're being that last caller now. No, no, I'm. How do you know that? Because I can tell. You because that, that smirk on your face. Because you have that tone of voice like, listen to the funny thing I just said. So, uh, but I'm saying, like, like, here's the thing. Like, my wife and I have gone to midnight mass a couple of times just because um, because she did not grow up Catholic. She doesn't know anything about the Catholic Church except what she's learned from me. And she's sort of fascinated by, uh, you know, just the sort of cultural aspect of it. Because it is pretty weird, especially if you, if you didn't grow up in it. Because it's very pagan. You know, there's the, the, the eating the flesh and drinking the blood, and there's the stained glass windows, and the guy swinging the pot full of incense and burning leaves and putting crap on your forehead in the shape of, an, of a cross. And it's it, if you didn't grow up in it, it's easy to, you know, it, let me put it this way. If you grew up Catholic, it's easy to sort of forget how bizarre the Catholic religion really is. Okay, it was kind of sort of fun growing up Catholic for me because first I went to Catholic school most of my years. So when you went to church, it was usually... Through school, or you saw a bunch of your friends, and you were just joking around the whole time. Now you went to a, is like a Catholic K through eight, or yeah, yeah. I went to uh, God. I went. Was this in Sweet Home? Where was this? No, this was in South Jersey. In South Jersey, with a bunch and... of uh, mobsters kids. Did you have to go to church every like every Friday? Oh or... yeah, they, we went all the time. Ugh. I mean, all, all all the damn time at confession. So you know, you're hanging out with your friends, just kind of you know BSing or whatever. And then when my mom used to make me go, and like you know my uh, my puberty years, after I was like 18, uh, we had a, a, a an Irish priest. And um, he talked in this Irish accent, and he'd have, like, four or five masses a day, and he would finish off the communion wine, and he'd be drunk. Totally. I think I had that same priest, actually. <laughs> no, and he was totally cool. So he'd be, like, you know, kind of swaggering a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, everyone would be like, how drunk is Father O'Hara today? No, so we had this guy whose last name was, uh, I shouldn't give his last name. I'll just say Monsignor, and then he had a, not to traffic in stereotypes, very Irish last name. Uh, Monsignor, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Monsignor O. O. Dublin, and uh, it, but he would just man, he would just reek of scotch all the time, and cigarettes because the Catholics don't have any admonition on drinking or smoking. And in fact, I don't even know that it's like a vi- I don't even know that they say don't be drunk at church. I 
I think the Catholics are very liberal. I have gotten some... drunk with a priest. Oh no, the I got I... drunk with a priest in Chicago. I got to tell you, I had a friend of mine who went to my uh, uh, friend of mine who went to law school. Who went to Gonzaga. Uh, and of course, at the Gonzaga, they have the Jesuits. And man, I can tell you, there's nobody who can put down the uh, booze like a Jesuit. I mean, they they pound it. Um, but um, what was my point? Blah blah blah. So Laura and I have gone to a couple churches, just in different cities, just because the one thing the Catholics really do have going for them: Catholics have great art, uh, musically and visually, uh, in terms of, like the sculpting, the sculpture, the stained glass windows, the interior design. As George Carlin said, really, the only thing that good to come out of the Catholic Church was art. Very true. So uh, we've gone to a couple churches just, you know, like in San Francisco, they have the oldest Catholic Church in the West Coast. And it's weird because you go in there and there was a confessional and it was sort of, uh, you know, the church was, it wasn't in session. There was nobody there. And she was sort of intrigued by the whole confession thing because in the Mormon Church, you just sit in a room with a guy. It's like, it's like seeing a shrink. You like sit in a chair and he's across the room and he goes, so, masturbation. And, you know, and then, you, and then everybody's just yes. awkward. Um in the, so I, I, she was like, well, what's this? And I said, well, it's the confessional. And she goes, oh, that's a confessional. And she thought it was different somehow. And it was the old school confessional where it's the, like, three wooden phone booths, like, back to back to back. And the priest is in the middle, and there's a booth on either side. And there's, like, the heavy curtain you pull, and you step inside. And mm-hmm. I, just because I haven't, I haven't been a, you know, confession stuff. It's probably 12, probably. So I just, I'd forgotten what it was like, so I sort of pulled back the heavy curtain of the confessional, and I stuck my head inside, and really, it was just, it was the, like, all of these flashbacks just came back. It was like, suddenly, you are there. You are 10 years old again. Mm-hmm. Bless me, a Father, for I have sinned. Sure, and, you, and yes. it's that creepy thing where you're kneeling, and then there's the, um, you know, and he opens, the, and you just see the creepy silhouette of his face. And then you have to just start, un- and then you're like making stuff up, and you don't ever want to confess the stuff you've really done, because that's embarrassing. And uh, you know, you don't talk about your penis or anything, so you, you don't want to confess the stuff you've really done. But at the same time, you feel like you have to confess something, or else he's going to call you out. Like you have to, you know what I mean? Like you have to sort of admit to something while you're there. So what do you start doing? You just start going, well, I. Uh, you just start confessing to things that don't matter. Well, I was disrespectful to my parents once, and. Uh, well, I've been slacking on my homework. Or whatever. Confession can be easy and fun again, just like an online quiz, and then it just spits out, you know, your penance at the end. Exactly. Totally. An automated confession. You might. You really ought to create that. If that doesn't already exist, you ought to create a website that just is like online confession. There's some algorithm where at the end you say the act of contrition, and then need five Hail Marys, and then whatever, and you promise not to kill cats anymore. So. All right. All right. Can I tell you the story that somebody just sent to me? Yes. Please do. Baby girl born with two faces. Oh. Heather has two faces. <laughs> the baby has That's two faces. Not Heather. The just call. Oh, no. Wait. Let me. Wow. That's sad. Two full faces on one head. And she's being worshipped as a reincarnated god. Please tell me this is. Oh wait. Where is this? Fox News. No, but I mean, what country? <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. In northern India. Sweet. I was gonna guess India. By the way, that was going to be my guess. But if it'd been wrong, I would have. You know, I didn't want to feel bad. Um. Wait, hold on. Tweet. For now, both mother and child are healthy and doing fine. Uh-huh. Both mother and child and child are... <laughs> so is it just one kid with two faces? Yeah, well, one kid, one head, two faces. That's like that kid with the uh, the eight legs that we had a while back. The, uh, the Octo kid. Yeah, the uh, Nasima Pedalon kid. And that was in India, too. It was. What's going on in India? Thank you to... Uh, I don't, he didn't say the Some name. Some guy. Thank you, Nick, for uh, that. Now, here's a call that says there's breaking news, but... I swear to God, if I pick if I pick this up and this is just some other guy who thinks he's hilarious. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, breaking news, uh, please now to tell us exactly what this 
breaking news is. <laughs> well, say I'm working with a guy here, and uh, we're in Troutdale, and he says that uh, on your on the uh, competitor station there, KXL, that someone drove through the front door in a vehicle. Really? Then then backed out and drove away. <laughs> Somebody drove a car into the front of KXL. That's what I hear. Oh wait, hold on. Uh, do you know? That's just down the street, right? Yeah. Do you know if anybody's injured? No, I have not heard. Uh, let's hope that nobody's injured, because then I can make fun of it. Uh, Absolutely. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. No That's sense, Donnie. Too. All right, there you go. Because Lars is way in the back, the the front. <laughs> okay. Whatever else you may do or say today, you've earned your keep with that right there. I mean, it, it, he's really protected. He really is. I am tired of so. people driving cars into buildings. Uh, all right. Fantastic. I'm, glad, was... I'm glad Lars was not hurt. <laughs> well, we don't know that yet. He does have a lot of his own cushioning, so who knows? He sort of carries an airbag around with him. Lars was always nice to me, mm -hmm. unlike you. Well, you know, we hit you because we love you. <laughs> Lars was nice because he didn't even remember your name. Really, if you were to go talk to Lars right now, i give you like one in three he would even remember who you were. Not because you're not memorable, but because he's that guy. Because he's got all of that, you know, liberal propaganda he's got to recall so he can, you know, denounce it. Well, his Phil and Jeff Krupp, he knew me because I actually was the band at one of his re-election party campaigns. Really? Oh, yeah. And he came up and sang Peggy Sue. So if anybody's ever listened Wait, hold to on. Larson, Ryan was the band. <laughs> no. Wait, hold Let's back up. You were, uh, you're in a band that played where? Okay. I was in a band about six years ago, okay? And uh, I got hired on, my band got hired on to play one of his campaign re-election parties, you know, kind of a fundraising Who? event for Jeff Krupp. Okay. And, you know, Jeff Republican? Krupp. Yeah. And yeah. He, he was uh, he was just a, a senator from here. Right. A representative. Yeah. He was representative. And he was Lars's fill-in for a while. Right. And, and uh, you played his re-election campaign. I did. And he got up and sang Peggy Sue. Of course me. he did. Because there's a rule that all white Republican politicians must get up and sing bad covers. But, hey, well, his wife can was I named just, Peggy Sue. Okay. Why? But can, I, can I just say this? First of all. However you may feel about, like, Minnie Driver or Kevin Bacon or Jared Leto or whoever getting a record contract, can we all agree that equally bad, if not worse, is this thing about, and it's always white southern politicians getting up to sing bad versions of, like, R&B songs. So it'd be like, uh, you know, it'd be like Newt Gingrich on stage singing Mustang Sally. I mean, stop. Stop it. Well, everybody likes to talk about when Bill Clinton played the saxophone on Arsenio Hall. That was also embarrassing. It didn't sound Hold that on. good. Hold it on. Really Scott sound Hold just on. wrote, uh, he just went over to Lars, he said he's giving the license plate number of the car on the air. So he must have been closer than you think. <laughs> well, somebody somebody gave it to him from the front office. Yeah, probably. I don't think that was... Yeah, Lars is in, like, an impregnable no, fortress in there. So. Well, Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I wonder who did it. I wonder if it was an angry fan. Can we turn like, on... Uh, is there cable here? No. Well, there's cable, but we don't have any local television. That sucks. Yeah, we don't. What's uh, the point? But this, okay, so Aaron just sent me a video of this two-faced baby. It is so unnerving. Is I it have, is, is, is it's both of its mouths are open. I was going to ask if both mouths if both mouths work. Both mouths are open. Okay, right. can you post that on your blog? Yeah. Oh, <gasps> oh that ain't right at Isn't all. Isn't that just wrong? Well, that'll make breastfeeding easy. <laughs> One on each side. <laughs> okay, that's two. Right there, Timmy. That's two for today. You can suck for the rest of the show, and it wouldn't matter at this point. Now, I'll make it up for yesterday. God bless you, Timmy Ryan. I wasn't on it yesterday. We okay. love you, Timmy Ryan. Uh, you really need to put that on your blog right now. I'm doing now. it right this second. Right effing now. I have a good midget story. Especially because we apparently have to compete with Lars being nearly run down by about the a gnome? car driving into KXL. Is it about the gnome terrorizing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys want to hear a good midget story that Sarah gave to me? Thank you, sir. Uh, sure. Oh, and then uh, here's the thing. We'll do a few more. We'll break, and then we shafted Dennis Pitsenbarger out of his uh, out of his pimping slot yesterday. So we come back from the break. Dennis will come in and talk a little bit about miles around. Uh, here's what's coming up.
Uh, we have, uh, let's see, Scott Daly's coming in later. Top five. I never did get to the high concept thing. And I also have this question about big tubs full of liquor. So um, we'll get to some of that. All right, here's Timmy Ryan. Then we'll talk more about this uh, two-mouthed baby. Kick ass. All right. A town in South America is living in fear dun, dun, dun. after several sightings of a creepy gnome that locals claim stalks the streets at night. And there's a really bad picture here. The midget, which wears a pointy hat and has a distinctive sideways walk, was caught on video last week by a terrified group of youngsters. Teenager Jose Alvarez, who filmed the gnome yesterday, told a national paper there that they caught the creature while larking about their hometown of General Juárez in the province of Salta, Argentina. Uh-huh. So apparently there's probably some midget who thinks it's funny to probably get drunk and dress in a gnome's costume and walk around the streets of Argentina. That is pretty funny. The picture that goes with that is really hilarious, by the way. This, the gnome that is stalking people. It looks like Mini-Me. Somebody says, uh, do you name a child with two faces, one name or two? That's an interesting question. Does each Is it one brain, do you suppose? I don't know. That's what I was looking for. That's exactly the question that okay, I was going to Okay, we need a scientist it. now. Someone find us a scientist. We need a scientist now to come on and talk about this baby that has two faces. I saw immediately <laughs> the hotline was up. Of, uh, the mirror has two faces. Same thing in the baby. And has once two this faces. baby grows up and is, of, you know, uh, age to um, get it on, I'm not going to talk about that. You that the last part of that sentence. That's like when Storm. That's like when Storm oh, when said she that about her experience. <sighs> I'm not, I don't even want to repeat it, but Storm. Can I what I said? No. no. Storm, uh, Storm said this horrible thing one time about uh, do not respond to this. Uh, Storm was describing what it was like to uh, be with another woman biblically. And I swear to you, at one point she was comparing it to doing something with a baby. And that was the sort of thing where I just went, no, no, oh. no. And I just had to bleep it. And it's no. Uh, all right, it's one thirty. Uh, Jesus. Well, let's. Uh, we should probably break, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Let's take a break. If you're on hold, uh, hang tight. We will come back. We've got your calls around the corner. If you're on hold, more from Timmy Ryan at the Ministry of Truth. All right, I published it. Dennis Pitzenberger will join us. And if you go to Sarah Dillon's blog, there's a picture of the baby with two faces and a video of it rolling around. <laughs> <laughs> Open. I, I couldn't it's mouths. How do you say the plural of mouths? Because I'm like mouths. I've got all these mouths to feed. Come on, mouths to. Yeah, it would be mine. <laughs> okay, that's three. You're on a roll. <laughs> Back after this, here's the queers. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. In just a moment, we'll talk to Dennis Pitzenberger from Miles Around, who I do believe drove a $280,000 car this week. I'm sorry, $380,000. $380,000 car is like one of those thirty grand hookers in New York. There's just no reason for that. 
you're actually talking. The car making me toast in the morning. What does the car do for 380 grand? Uh, well, I actually believe there is uh, a complimentary hooker with each purchase. <laughs> okay. On that note, hold that thought. We'll uh, get James Roof in Los Angeles. Hello, sir. Howdy. Hi, how are you? You are uh, are or were at the uh, John Ritter uh, here. thing. Still I'm so- here and he's still dead. <laughs> there's there's no amount of verdicts that will bring Jack Tripper back. No. Um, so the as we were saying earlier, and just to say first and foremost about this, I don't uh, have any problem with the the family who decided to file this lawsuit because you know if you're, you're you know you're, you're, you're grief stricken and whatever and what you know you, you got you're looking for some place to put that. It is that you get these kind of lawyers who swoop in and decide that there ought to be a lawsuit filed about it. And the lawyers are the ones who sort of you know, try to make hay out of all of this. But all that being said, it's kind of moot because the judge told everybody to get bent, right? Yeah, well, the jury told them. To get yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, $67 million is what they wanted, saying, uh, representing that that's what, would, that's what Ritter would have made in his life had he survived that night. Um, but they already received $14 million, including $9 million from the hospital uh, in a settlement. Not that they admitted any wrongdoing, but they just they, – they, Settled with the family, right? And yet they brought the sixty-seven million dollars on anyway. Uh, I, a little excessive, I don't know. Um, it, it, given what actors make these days, and Ritter was on another upswing. He sure. really was. Yep. Uh, he could very well have made that kind of money over the next ten years or so. And so the deal was that he just had some genetic predisposition to this, though. That this was yeah. You... They say he was victim of his own biology. The radiologist who interpreted the body scan two years before he died. Uh, according to his lawyers anyway, told Ritter that he had an enlarged aorta. He needed to follow up with his doctor. It's a rare condition, and and it's dangerous. Ritter never followed up with any physician after that body scan. And then two years later, he goes into the hospital. They call in this cardiologist uh, who rushed in, sees Ritter in some sort of distress, uh, thought he was having a heart attack, treated him for that. And it it was interesting, one one of the jurors said, you know, if I'm a patient, and she had a very thick German accent or something, I could barely hear her, but I think this is what she said. Um, if I'm a patient, I go into a hospital, I want the doctor to treat me for a heart attack if that's what it looks like, not some rare condition I may not have. That's that's a great point. I mean, you know, and he's, he's playing the odds to a certain extent. It looks like a heart attack, smells like a heart attack, probably a heart attack. Yeah, and if you're in distress... You got to you got to make a decision to treat. Right. You can't say, well, let's wait and see if the aorta isn't dissected. You know, you can't do that. Especially because the uh, the answer is almost certainly no. Right. Because yeah. it is a very rare condition, and um, it, it possibly, if Ritter would have followed up with a physician after that body scan two years before he died, uh, all of that may have been in his history. Yep. Uh, and and that could have been definitely something that uh, saved his life. Instead. The doctor putting an angioplasty in, you know, one of those balloons, ruptured that aorta mm. more, and that's what killed him. Well, this is like that thing with Jim Henson some years back where the guy had you know, the, the worst flu known to man, and they yeah. said, hey, you should go to the hospital. And he goes, no, I'm going to take a nap. And uh, that ended up being a dirt nap that he yep. took. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, like, I... like, you, like you were saying, man, there's a million things that have to go right in your body every stinking day. Just for you not to fall over. Yeah. It's just, it's just nutty. Think about that. Think about that tonight at 2 a.m. <laughs> All right. I I know you're busy. I will let you get back to it, sir. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon, Thank brother. Thank you. You too. Thank you. James Roop in Los Angeles. Fantastic.
Dennis Pitsenbarger, hello. Hey, how you doing? How you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Part of the reason why I'm down, you guys asked me, is because you I seem am... a little uh, disheveled and sullen. Um, well, one, I was looking at. Please uh... tell me that, I, that like you didn't have like a close family member die this morning because I don't feel like a dick. No, not that I know of. All right. Um, I was adopted. It could have been. Okay. Um, I was looking at the the flow chart. Of oh, where I haven't I even fun... mentioned this. Can I can I go over this a little bit with you? So this let me just let me show this to people. So this right here. Uh, I hold in my hand a large laminated uh, uh, graph. It's a chart. It's like a, like a wall chart that Susan Reynolds has in her office. And I did. The, she had this. Uh, you know, her kids uh, or her daughter, anyway. Her older daughter is doing this thing where they they're studying corporations and companies in school. We had her daughter and one of her classmates in to talk about this faux corporation. They're doing blah blah blah. Anyway, Susan, because she has the coolest job in the world. Uh, you know, she's the mom that puts on Rockfest. She went to the kids' school and talked about CBS as a corporation. And so as a visual aid, she made this big laminated <laughs> chart showing the corporate structure and hierarchy. And it shows, like, at the top, general manager. And then... God. Yeah, serious. And it's in a different color than everybody else. And it's else. all yellow it, and glowy. It glows. General manager. And then underneath that, you know, like in terms of the radio station, underneath that, program director. Underneath that, DJs. Underneath that, it, production. The best part about it is the very, very lowest thing, the very bottom, account executives and or salespeople. It's a real self-esteem booster. Dennis, you are here. No, actually, uh, see, they, this is actually an incorrect uh, laminated list because they uh, they forgot to put one more layer right here that said account executives that don't care. Uh, so uh, they forgot to uh, uh -oh. they, there's one layer. Is someone having a falling down moment? <laughs> and, uh, Seriously. They, uh, Just remember, we were always nice to you, Dennis. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Wow. No, I, by the time no, I would I would run out of ammunition far before I got to the lower level. Um, Do you have a key card for this lower level? Can you get down here without assistance? Uh, my key card works. Don't don't worry about that. Again, remember, we were always really nice to you. I know. I you know. have a fine radio program. I appreciate that. Uh, no, I no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding about that. No, I just one of the reasons I've been kind of down this week is I did have a chance to drive a three hundred eighty thousand dollar Lamborghini Murcielago LP six forty, the most fantastic automobile I think I've ever actually had the time to play in. Uh, I'm Job talking about suits. Seriously, come on, it's a six thousand dollar <laughs> suit. What <laughs> <laughs> a guy in an eight thousand dollar suit. Did you do that? <laughs> Come on. I uh, yeah, I just saw that last night. That was great. Exactly. So uh, yeah, so I mean, I had to, I had to go out and uh, drive through people's yards in the big Toyota Tundra that we got for the show as a project vehicle and run over some small dogs just to make myself feel better about not driving a 600 horsepower car anymore. So that was disturbing. Well, that not... coupled with the thing about running out of ammunition before you get down here. So how long did you have the uh, the 380 thousand dollar car? Uh, I had it for about three and a half days. Just enough. To to get like you know, to, I could really see myself in this car. Yeah, well, I could really see myself in that car. I really could. You know, I was I bought my lottery tickets. Uh, they didn't come in, so I'm hoping for Saturday uh, to be the last day I have to work. For now, the seriously man. though, a three hundred eighty thousand dollar car. I'm not trying to be flippant about this. Really, what makes it cost? Three hundred eighty thousand dollars. Well, I mean, beyond the mechanical sense of it, is one is really just, and this is one of the words that goes on the account executive uh, hot word list, mm -hmm. is the exclusivity of the fact that you will not see another one of those. You're not gonna. I mean, like your little Ford Focus, great car. Um, I could go to the, you know. I the, can tell that you like it by the way you put little in front of it. Well, Thanks. it's a smaller <laughs> car. It's a compact. That's a nice little radio station you have there, Rick. You guys, uh, you guys really are amusing <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Your uh, let me let me rephrase this. If you buy a T-shirt that says "Kiss" on it, yes, there is a lot of people out there that have the Kiss T-shirt. Fair enough. There is 
there is probably one of these automobiles sold in a market every 12 months. Right. And I had the unique opportunity to drive one. So it was just, it was, a, it was an experience that when you go back to driving quote-unquote normal cars or even my own This vehicle, really is like that $30,000 hooker in oh, New York. Is. That's why I could never have sex with a $30,000 hooker. Brandy. He says, that's, Not a $30,000 one. <laughs> what about a $30 one on top of a second that's and ex- That's exactly what I was saying. It's nice that you noted that you wouldn't have sex with that hooker for that amount of money. No, 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 not at all. Not for that amount. Somebody's going to be buying more jewelry. <laughs> no, I, well... So no. you so now you're back to what? What are you driving now? Um well actually let's see, what do please I Please tell me please tell me it's like a festiva. <laughs> please tell me that you're just driving No, it's well it's a Nissan Ultima Coupe. Whether it's you know, it doesn't even have a sunroof. Actually a decent little car. I have that and I have a Mazda C or a CX nine as a tester dwell. So it just it brings you back to reality of how how lucky I really am, and so and how cool cars can be. I mean, one of the things you know, we were gonna talk about it on tomorrow's show is um, there's reports, you know, like trends in radio. Uh, they, you know, they say, well, the station's going this way or that way. Um, there's the same type of financial um, institutions in the automobile industry that say that $200 a barrel oil is just around the corner. And considering that gas is about 360 a gallon right now, I don't think we're that far away. Um, considering that now uh, uh, a candid conversation I had with Richie, he's sitting on approximately 600 million barrels in his own private, as he called it, lottery ticket somewhere in a uh, wooded area in the northern America. Wait, what? I don't understand. What are you talking about? Uh, wooded area? Richie's an oil baron. R- Richie is an oil baron. I didn't know if you knew that. He is independently wealthy beyond all of our dreams. He could actually buy that Lamborghini. Richie? I don't understand what you're talking about right now. Uh, I was talking about oil being $200 a yes. barrel. How did that turn into Richie? I had said that, you know, right now, that, well, because Richie is sitting on his own independent wealth of oil. Okay, that's where you're losing me. What do you mean? Um, Richie is a oil baron. Uh, you, Timmy knows. Yeah. You can't just keep saying Richie is an oil baron and expect it to make more sense. <laughs> because he owns a ton of oil. It just hasn't been processed or dug out Richie of the in here? Yeah, seriously, all right. Do no, either, I, uh, no I don't confused. understand what we're talking about. I don't about mean to bring, I wasn't trying to confuse no. him. Can we, uh, this is a... Uh... All right, Richie, you can just come over here to this microphone. Okay. All right, uh, intrepid PA Richie Bristol in the studio. Have you All been right. holding out on us? Yeah, I think uh, I speak for everybody when I say what? Uh, great, 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 great grandfather had 170 acres out in Montana. Right. And basically, all my family passed away a couple years ago. Uh huh. At once? Yeah. Oh, oh! So I was I, kidding. Uh, all right. So I have two thirds, basically, of uh, uh, oil and gas lease out in Montana somewhere. Now, is there oil in Montana? Uh, there's twelve and a half miles southwest of where uh, my lot is. There's a. I had an oil density report done, and there's fifty forty-eight to fifty-six million barrels pulled out twelve and a half miles southwest of it. Why do we always end up working with some guy like you? Whether it's Matt Peterson, who dr- who really like sneezes hundred-dollar bills, or you. Who you are now apparently? Uh, what's his name? Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood. Well, that just makes me respect you so though. much more because you're working, you know, for like pennies. <laughs> Seriously, here. you're working, you, working basically. And you're such a hard here. worker, and like Rick keeps coming, like, hey, I'm gonna make a best of show on Sunday, and you get to do it. You One know? more. Can I go back to the chart where it's below? Seriously, Ricky is now a lateral to general manager. Yes. Hello, yes. new best friend. Seriously, Ricky, you do a great job. So when do you get the money? Do you have it now? Process that I don't understand. Yeah. Right, you have people for that? I've been looking for people, and I got people collected, and 
it's it's a long process. He's got people talking that to people. so interesting. The I things we learn like, here. Hey, now, let's, let's make sure that I, I wasn't trying to put Richie on the spot. Uh, I was just joking about oil being $200 a gallon or $200 a barrel. Richie drinks all of our milkshakes. Jesus. It could be nothing, though. You never know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They, so they found about like five, what did you say, 500? 48 to 58 million barrels out of uh, 12 miles away from it. And a barrel's worth $200. I can't even think about what that. What is a barrel of oil going for these days? About a buck thirty-five. Wait, right now. hold on. Oh, let my me, God. I can't me, even think about that. I, what I, simple addition. What there. I thought was more interesting is the conversation we had about, uh, Richie was telling me about, there seems to be several uh, camped-out uh, indigenous personnel uh, <laughs> hanging out in this multi-acre area. Well, you know what? Americans know how to move them along, though, yeah. let me tell you. All yeah, right. David how, how, many, how many barrels? 50 million? There was like 48 million to 56 million. Let's say 50. But it's it's over a few lots and fifty thousand, five hundred thousand, five million, fifty million. Enter. I don't even know how many zeros this is. Six should be six hundred and twenty million. That is sixty seven million five hundred thousand dollars. I would only get after for profit. <laughs> after taxes though, Rick. Four percent or something like that. All right, hold on. Times Sarah, how do you do percentages? Times time zero four. four. Yeah. No, times <laughs> times nine six. What? You take away the... No, no, no. You do times zero four to get Oh, no, excuse me. Don't I'm you? thinking little number to big number. Divide. Um, so. Oh, I didn't... Yeah, I may have... Zero four equals... Yeah, Richie, you'd only get three million dollars from oh, that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Feel bad yeah. for you. Well, I'd, I'd keep this gig if I were. That's that cost. That's not profit. Okay. We'll <laughs> I talk think he more. knows more than he's letting We'll talk on. more about this later. Thank you, Richie. Hello, new Unless best friend. Unless you don't friend. want us to talk about it. Be in a minute. No, no, no. We're going to keep talking about okay. that. Well, All I right. didn't mean... I hope, I hope Richie isn't mad. I just thought it was interesting. You know? insane. I, That's insane. That's sad about his family. Well, I suppose his sadness is maybe tempered. Uh, so, I mean, look, let me put it this way. Your family could die and leave you in debt. I know people that have had that happen. I know a whole thing where it's, well, yes, my husband and children were killed in a plane crash. Also, we're $4 million in credit card debt. So, you know, I, I guess it could go either way. Jesus, God. All right. Well, on that note, when I asked the all-at-once question, I was sort of kidding about that, too. Um, we uh, dropped that yeah. uh, microphone. All right. Well, well, there's really nothing you can talk about now that won't pale in comparison to that, Dennis. What's coming up on the uh, weekend show? Uh, well, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the oil prices. I'm going to do my review on that LP640 Lamborghini. Uh, talk about uh, Toyota's 1-2 finish in a NASCAR race, which is a first of. They're actually, you know, Chevrolet is uh, often uh, parallel with NASCAR. They haven't even won a, a NASCAR race yet or a, a cup race. So Toyota coming on strong and racing, and it is the 12 hours of Sebring. We'll talk about that. And, of course, uh, we will hope to see uh, Timmy Ryan float through the studio as he does uh commonly on the miles around radio show is that true do you make unscheduled guest appearances on miles around timmy ryan only when i'm uh raiding the liquor fridge over there that's true because well because you do what now can we say this we yeah, yeah of course Because you work on kufo on weekend mornings right 6 to 10 a.m on saturday and sunday um, rock 101 kufo yes. across the hall now, all right we've had some uh, nice discussions about our mutual love of uh meter people and that's the best way i can uh, talk about them yeah dennis came on a couple weeks ago and we bitched and complained about how much we both hate meter maids uh we call, yeah, i like to call them uh parking nazis is really what i parking like. bitches uh that too that's a good one if they're you know it depends depends on how snotty they are. I like to use the They word. can all go to hell. Nazi is really a better word, I think. No, it's almost uncanny. If I close my eyes, I can hear a weekend show. A little weekend show. All right. Uh, a 90-second weekend show? That yeah. really does pale in comparison to <laughs> others. Dennis Pitsenbarger, uh, Saturdays, 9 to noon, miles around. Uh, let's take a break here and not get heinously behind. Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your... 
Milkshake. Back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I'm going to hang this administrative flow chart in the studio. Is today really Friday? It is. <laughs> and it's Friday. 2 o'clock. <gasps> All right. I'm going to put this on the wall, and then I'm going to circle the account. So where do I rank? Uh, you are a D- DJ. You're right there. I'm in the middle. But no, but you're above. You're still above Dennis. <laughs> you're still above everybody upstairs almost. All right. Excellent. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, uh, we will talk to Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio. He's going to do his top five. Speaking of top fives, Timmy Ryan, you're a musician, are you not? I am. All right. So I play I, multiple instruments. So, Timmy uh, Ryan is a band. Somebody, Tim, Timmy Ryan is. Are you a one-man band? Do well, you play drums? Yes. I play drums, guitar, bass, banjo. Do you? Awesome. Yeah. The banjo is pretty cool, cool actually. Yeah. Um, you have to... Um, Bring in your banjo, you know. I, oh, no, I will you... bring one in. I, I have to get another one because my buddy broke my last one. You uh, you do have to bring the banjo in and play it on the air at some point. The banjo is, is pretty righteous. If somebody has a banjo, they can bring it in. I'm going to have to go and buy another one let's because my, my idiot friend stepped on it when he was drunk. I uh, Let's see. Here we go. Um, because I, we have a question. Somebody has a uh, has a question about And actually, I've received this question from several people. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we were doing this really, in retrospect, ill-advised thing about trying to find the top five t- TV theme songs of all time. And the one that I left off that, like, everybody seized on was the Sanford and Son theme. That was, like, a hundred different people. And I wouldn't say that it's the most universally agreed upon omission, but many, many, many people. Uh, among them, Fatboy, who, like, charged down the hallway and did everything but throttled me about Thank it. Thank you for letting me play my Saved by the Bell one this morning. I felt cleansed. No, no, no. It was okay. It was the right thing to do. Uh, I really feel like I ought to play the Battlestar Galactica one to make up for it, but it's kind of a buzzkill theme, so I won't do it. Uh, but Fat Boy came and he's like, oh, no, Sanford, is, come on! And he was like, it, it was like I'd insulted his mother or something. So uh, Sanford and Son theme is really, really good. Um, you know who wrote that? Quincy Jones. Thank you. Uh, the, uh, you know what else is great now that I think about it? Not to get bogged down because then it's just going to become that, you know what else is a good theme? Good times. That's a good theme. That's you know, another good theme. Also yeah. sets up the show. Temporary layoffs. <laughs> good times. Um, that was that. <laughs> um, no, but here's the thing about the Sanford and Son theme. This is a question that many people have had, and I don't have the answer to this. And the question is, what are these weird instruments in the Sanford and Son theme? Sure. Now, yesterday we had the question about the Sesame Street theme and that clanking metal sound, which you guys deduced to be a guitar and like a low-rent xylophone. Yeah, xylophone. So, here, I'm going to play the Sanford and Son theme. I hope this is uh, sort of clean in the sense that the audio is good here. Let's see if we can... That's an organ. I know, but what's that? It's like a digidero or something. That is that's digital. And is that a harmonica? I thought it was a no, digital. no, no. That's that a, is a, a saxophone, saxophone, rather. Saxophone. But there's a harmonica later on, right here. That's, that's a harmonica. That's a harmonica. Yeah. Okay, but it's this thing at the beginning, right here. What is that? I got like a hundred. Oh, does sound like a didgeridoo. I thought it was a didgeridoo. No, that, whatever. But that's, that's, I don't think you can make any. I think. That, I think that is what you call a. Um, a and that's a saxophone there. Yes, I think it's. 
It's one of those mouth things go bang, 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 bang. A juice it. harp? Yeah, a juice harp. It's that, not a juice harp. Are you sure? I got a juice harp right here. Uh, let's see. <laughs> and by the way, this was sent to us by... I do believe it was the National Jews Harp Association of America, and which is a real organization. Uh, right here, hold on. I have this guy who we had this. We have a listener who actually is a pretty accomplished uh, Jews Harp player, and he called up. He was doing requests, and of course, the, the funny thing is they all just sound like a spring. Uh, this is the. Uh, oh damn it! I'm sorry. I have to. Um, unfortunately, I have to go back to this YouTube thing. I can't. Do okay, this. I found it. So you should play it. And I found this is a Jews Harp. Oh, okay, I know what it is. And this is a. a how do you pronounce it? A digideru. No. No, I think that's what it is. I think what it is, it's some kind of... I mean, that's when they were really starting to come out with, like, digital instruments. No, you know, on the, no. On the way. keyboard. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure it was. Kind of a synthesizer. Like, like a Moog thing. kind of a thing? Yeah. It, 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 Hold it, on. Hang on, hang on. Hold on. Let me back up again. Let me play it one more time, and then you play your thing. No. <laughs> yeah, that that's some kind of digital effect. It seems so unlikely that that would be a digital thing. I could see somebody playing like a of... like a Moog or what are they, what's that thing they use in Boogie Nights at the beginning? The um uh, that John Bryan plays. It's um God, God damn, what is it? It's could it a... be a kazoo? Hey, there's a thought. Uh, but what is that thing that John Bryan plays on the Boogie Nights score? I forget what it's called, but this thing has the old ass tape loops inside of it. It's what song are you talking about on the Boogie Nights score? Like What's the Clementines loop and that broken kind of circus music that plays at the beginning, the broken carnival music, it, Paul Thomas Anders calls it. Yeah, that's just... Um, no, 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 it's, it's an a, organ. No, 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 it's not an organ. It's a really, really unique instrument because Thomas Anderson talks about it a lot on the commentary, so much so that I went online and Googled, like, wikipedia the instrument, and it's like this old-ass weird type of organ. It's like a very, very primitive sampler where you would press levers and it plays these crusty ass tape loops inside that rotate that spin. Um, I forget what it's called. On the on the commentary, mm. he talks about what the instrument is, and he talks about how John Bryan is the world's foremost blah, 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 player. Okay, well that's a Rhodes organ on there, and I'm pretty sure that's some kind of uh, digitized synthesizer. I call BS on that being digital. That doesn't seem in keeping with the spirit of the theme. Yeah, well that's that's, that's too what organic. a Rhodes organ is though. That's, you know what a Rhodes is, right? Yeah, but. Rhodes, Rhodes, pronounced a couple of different names. I don't know. The song sounds so organic okay, and so, so analog. Okay, so Dave said, my friend Dave Krause said uh, he thinks it's a bass harmonica. This is the most this theme has ever been played anywhere. Oh, no, come on. No, listen to this. Mm, there's too much vibration. harmonica. I mean, Maybe. if you're playing like That's the low end of a harmonica. Maybe we have to find, um, yeah, we have to find. It's either that, digital uh, or it's a really, really low harmonica, one of the two. I'm, uh. With a, some reverberation in the background. I'm trying to find the, uh, now, see, now I'm all, now I'm all, uh, um, trying to find the name of this weird instrument that they use in Boogie Nights. Uh, let's see here. Okay, I'm going to play it one more time here, and then we'll, th we've got some people calling about it, then we'll do some stuff, and Scott Daly will join us here. Hold on, let me just, uh. <laughs> To hear it in context with other things. You come back. No. All right. 
Well, I don't know. Let's uh, let's see. We've got people calling about this undoubtedly here. Uh, this guy's about hookers. We'll have to a hooker call. We'll have to come back to you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hello, Rick. Hello, hi. Hey there. Yeah, no, this is not a hooker call. This is uh, Melanie Brian calling. Uh, the, the instrument you're thinking of is called a Mellotron. That's not a Mellotron. A Mellotron is that thing on good vibrations. Well, yeah, no, 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 no. That's and a no, on no, on no. Well, but they both. I think there's both. There's a theremin, which is the. That's right. the. Uh, uh, but Mellotron is that thing on No Quarter by Led Zeppelin. Right. It has the tape loops in where the actual tape loops of each note, and you press a note, and it can be like strings. Right. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that. Yeah, and I think. Okay, well, Zeppelin, uh, well, let's back up though. But sure. even if even if that were a Mellotron, uh, that has to be a sample of something. Still. Well, no, I, I think the Stafford and Son, I think it actually is like a, a super low bass harmonica that's maybe been tweaked a little bit, but I'd say that's a bass harmonica. Mm. But Mellotron is the instrument you were looking for earlier. That's what I was referring to. I'm not right. anything Thank you. Harmonica. You're uh, welcome. Sorry, I could be... All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, not a hooker call. Okay, well, <laughs> what's up, sir? Hey, uh, I think it's a clavinet, which is uh, an old... Uh, the clavinet, 70... the thing on Superstition by Stevie Wonder? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, wait, hold uh, on. Now I got a clavinet? Clavinet, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the thing on superstition. Right. That thing. And uh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent, but I think once you get down low and you're not playing whole chords, that's kind of what it sounds like. Okay, here's it. That's not a Rhodes, by the way. There's that's no not one. a Rhodes. No, I used to have one. All right, Sarah, give it. Something there. Yeah. Now, can you sustain? Uh, in other words, if you hold down a key on a clavinet, does it sustain? Because this, uh, the, the notes on this Sanford and Son theme, they sound very sustained. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it, <clears throat> this was all really primitive at the time. Mm. You know, back, right. in, back in the time of cavemen and stuff. Right. There's no way. I will say there's no way it's digital. There's no way. Yeah, it, it sounds completely non I mean, even now you can kind of spot digital stuff sometimes. Yeah, no, I think it's before the time of that anyway. So. All right. And things oh, that were sort of... Like, no, right, no, because they started using digital stuff, you know, in the late, yeah, late 60s. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's still, but it sounded really... My color was wrong. Really non... It, digital stuff, uh, the early digits, to my knowledge anyway, it didn't sound digital the way we would say it now, but it sounded... It sounded not like a real instrument. A lot of that, like digital strings right. and stuff, sounded that's why, that's very otherworldly. Right. All right, let's do a couple more, and then we'll bring in Scott Daly, who's probably tiring of the whole thing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes, it is a bass harmonica. It is not digital. There's some audio processing on it. I think they got a little bit of reverb and a little gating, but that is a harmonica. Check out a guy named Adler, who was one of the brilliant harmonicists of all time. This is going to be like a, that conversation about absinthe where there's no resolution. No, there's, this isn't no resolution. It's a harmonica. If you go and listen to Dr. Adler, it's, it's a goddamn harmonica. <laughs> and it's, and you, you digital weenies have never figured out most of these sounds were made with real instruments first. Who are you? And then you... All right, let's 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 all take, take a, a breath. breath. Seriously, yeah, it's a harmonica. Please check out a guy named Adler. I you'll didn't... see, you'll hear it. It's no question. I wasn't about it, I right? wasn't suggesting you take a breath so you could then scream louder. You don't own a no. gun, do you? Of course I do. What are you talking about? Uh, thank <laughs> you. It, it really it really is. It's a harmonica. It's there a classic you go. You harmonica. Office. Okay. Thank you. Jesus. Okay, who was he talking about when he said digital weenies? Was that directed at me? All right. I think both of us. All right. Not Sarah. Whatever. Yeah, Sarah's exempt from this whole thing. Uh, let's see here. Let's do, I, I know we're still going to do it. Let's just do a couple more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? 
How are we doing? Hey, hey, Timmy Ryan, I, I I love your little newscast and everything. And your little your... little has become the word Hold of the on day. Hold on, but I know there's going to be a but somewhere in All the right. sentence. So, but, so but keep on an even keel. Timmy, your assertion that these were digital instruments. They were all analog back then. Oh, and by the way, Andy Summer sucks. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right, so it does sound like a bass harmonica, except I can't find one isolated. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, That's not else? true about analog instruments. They were There was digital instruments back then. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. About what are you calling, sir? I'm the hooker guy. <laughs> All right, can you make it? I hate to do this to you. Can, can you make it sort of brief? Yeah, very brief. Uh, this is gonna. I was reading a book by Michael Corda last night about U.S. Grant. Uh-huh. Okay, and the origin of the of the term hooker was from one of the generals on the Union side. His last name was Hooker, and uh, he had so many prostitutes around him all the time that they started calling him Hooker ladies or Hooker girls, and finally just started calling him hookers. And then uh, his uh, his colleague was uh, Burnside, who got the sideburns, and uh, generally got the. Uh, you know, the generally called. That's pretty great, actually, because that's like an enduring contribution to the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the guy, you know, he he, uh, he didn't know that he was he was going to contribute so much to the world. That is good. All right. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you later. All right. Let's dive back into this. We'll wrap it up. We'll bring in Scott Daly here in a few. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm just obsessed now with finding out the name of that weird instrument in Boogie Nights. Yes. Well, well, how can so I help it's, you? It's not, a, it's not a bass harmonica. It's either a, uh, a doorstop spring or a cable TV box. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Thank you. Right. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick, uh, right. it's a baritone saxophone, and the, the organ instrument that you're thinking of was made by Oberheim, and Frank Zappa used it and created, like, two whole records out of it, and I know it, I, I was looking, I was Googling it right here. What's the name of the instrument? I, I know. It's called, um, it's made by Oberheim, and it's called... Um, I've seen that Boogie Nights commentary like 50 times, and I can't remember the name of the instrument. But he does. It's funny because he does sort of tongue-in-cheek refer to John Bryan as being the world's foremost expert on the whatever it is. Right, and Zappa hired that dude to actually come in and sit at his mixer and mix this thing. Pleased to be YouTubing it, there's a one-hour documentary of Frank Zappa and this instrument, and that's all it is, and he writes a whole record, and they go through these huge stacks of tapes that he has to use like a whole like reel-to-reel just to like sound like a yeah. dog or something. It's Excellent. ridiculous. Thank you, sir. Baritone tax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we've got... I should have been keeping... Let's just... Okay, I think I found the the instrument that you were talking about. Okay, you found the. Uh... Is it a is it a Moog? No, no, it's not. That's a Moog is a synthesizer. Sort of breaking news. Um, wait, somebody dead? Well, could have been. Is it about KXL? Yeah, yeah, we have the license plate number. All right, uh, hold on. Well, do we have a, do we have more on the story? Sort of. All yeah, right. yeah, I have the complete story now here. Uh, from where are you getting the story? Is it from a reputable news source? Or oh, from it's some... from a very reputable news source. Okay. Rick, come on. Let's, uh... That's the only news sources I get my news from. Uh-huh. Reputable news sources. Okay, I don't have the breaking news, Sandra, because I'm busy. Let, we'll make this the breaking... The uh... All right, go ahead. <laughs> okay, it's official. A driver backed a car into the studio over at KXL and then drove away today at about 1 p.m. The car involved is described as a white Toyota Corolla... With the following license plate number, 683-RYU. Police are investigating this incident as a hit and run. So you have a license plate of 683-RYU. You are the lucky winner of a jail sentence. <laughs> Allegedly. Hi, you're on, you're, on the, you. you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. 
Uncle Steve here. Hello, sir. The thing you're thinking of is a Melomonica by Honer, and Stevie Honor. Wonder played it, and you blow through it with a tube. It's got a keyboard, but it's a harmonica. Now, wait. When you say the thing I'm thinking of, is that the thing I'm thinking of for the Sanford and Son theme? The Sanford and Son theme is actually a bass harmonica. Get the harmonicats. Go to one of those YouTube sites or something. You'll hear that. And it's a big, deep, low one. If you see the harmonicats, it's like five guys, and they'll pull out this huge thing, and that is the bass harmonica. How, how do you but feel about, the, let me ask you this, how do you feel about the possibility of kazoo? I, I'm never opposed to kazoo, just like I'm not opposed to accordions. I mean, just in general, do, do you, do you, are you, can you entertain the possibility the sound might be made by a kazoo in the song? Anything's possible. This is America. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Harmonic cats. Thank Have you. a great weekend. Thank you, my friend. All right. The, two more, I swear, and then we'll move on. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hello. Yeah. Uh, the instrument is a bass harmonica. That does seem to be the general consensus that is forming here. I think if you like, if you call a music store and have them play it just for a second, you'll, it'll hit right away. Down the phone. But, we should totally do that. Yes? But I had a question. Uh, from long, long time ago, well before Sesame Street or anything, I have a memory, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not a hallucination. Of uh -huh. the, it was called uh, Jim Henson's. Either they might have just been called Puppets then, but it was it was more of a special adult show in the evening, about an hour, and it was Jim Hep or Jim Henson's uh, Yada Yada and the Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, it seems like he might have done that because before the Muppet Show, uh, Jim Henson did sort of early versions of that where he had his sort of Muppet-like creations on other variety shows, on not the Ed Sullivan show, I don't think, but uh, whatever it was that sort of came after that, uh, like maybe the, I don't want to say the Steve Allen show, but like, you know, like the, 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 like the Mike Douglas show and stuff like that. And he did not adult in the sense that it was blue in any way, but he did a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of work with those on different shows and on different networks before the yeah. Muppet show. So you might be right about that. This was, and, and I've never heard of it since, and I'd like to see it again because I remember it as being fantastically funny. Yeah. But I'm wondering if anybody else will remember. But this was like an hour-long special program, long a time ago, just when they were, you know, when he was starting out. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll look into it. All right, thank you, sir. You bet. All, All right. right, final call on this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We're trying to identify this sound in the Sanford and Son theme song. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the. Hey, this is Aaron. Oh, hello. Hi, Aaron. Hey, I, am, I know this song well because it's your ringtone whenever you call, because whenever I go to your house, I think of Sanford and Son. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yes. Thank you. you. Yeah, that is the... Uh, Wait, if I call... Are you saying if I call your phone, it rings with the Sanford and Son theme? Yeah. That is the best thing that's ever been done for me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, what's the instrument? It is, it's the, the, the harmonica one. The bass harmonica. Yes. All right, Sarah, did we so ever the find name, the bass harmonica? Do you know the name of this song? No, I'm still looking uh, for it. No, I think it's just the Sanford and Son theme song. I, I don't really know. Uh, it's actually it... called The Street Beater. The Street Beater. Mm-hmm. All right, excellent. And it is by Quincy Jones. Uh, it is by Quincy Jones, yeah. And if you have, if you ever listen to the full version, you'll hear that the last few notes are out of tune. A lot of people assume that was done on purpose because uh -huh. um, it was supposedly like recorded in the back of a junkyard. That was what they were going for. Right. It was actually done by accident, and Quincy Jones didn't notice it. The last two notes are off key. Hold on, man. Now i got to play it. Hold on. And then it trails at whatever that damn instrument is, trails out again at the end. All right. Yeah. All right. Hey, how's the, uh, how's the immune system? 
Oh, it's doing much better now. All right, excellent. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Aaron Geek in the city around Richie Bristol. Let's welcome Scott Daly to the uh, to the program now, shall we? We'll have him uh, now enter the studio triumphantly and with vigor. He looks handsome today. He does. He looks like a college professor who would sideline is seducing his malleable female students. <laughs> or a governor from New York. Yeah. No, but I mean, he's got whatever those pants are. Uh, black. Black t-shirt. And then, and then like the, uh, like a plaid, uh, like a wool blazer or whatever. Sarah, describe what Scott's wearing. I don't know what anything is. He does look like a professor. You look like you ought to be teaching contemporary. You look like Donald Sutherland's character in Animal House. <laughs> and then, like, I would go over to your house and Karen Allen would be there nude. So, you, you, as, as we're teaching. You totally look like a, like a professor who would be popular with certain female students. You the really only thing do. I'm missing is the patch on the elbow. Completely. Yeah. And a pipe. Right, a pipe. And a book of, like, and a book of proofs. <laughs> and a really bad comb over. Yeah. <laughs> How's life, Scott Daly? This is a camel hair jacket. Oh, uh, life is good. Life, life, life's a little bit of all right. You, didn't, I, you don't have to review that uh, the terrible Horton Hears a Who today, do you? Well, I, I, I can if you'd like. <laughs> More than, do you have anything else to review? I, I saw it. Uh, no. Well, <laughs> well, there I, we I've, go. Got, I've got two films actually that coincide with this week's episode of Film Fever Radio that don't come out until the 28th. Uh, but I interviewed the directors of both films, and they're on this week's episode. They are what? Uh, David Gordon Green, the director of a new film called Snow Angels, uh, which stars Kate Beckinsale, Sam Rockwell, and Griffin Dunn. Um, a nice little, heavy little family drama. Griffin Dunn? Yeah. Wait a minute. Isn't After Griffin hours? Dunn... Isn't Griffin Dunn... Tim Robbins' character from The Player? Uh, I just no, watched The Player no, the it, other night. Griffin, Griffin Mill. Griffin Mill. Okay, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. No, anyway. No. All right. Uh, no, Griffin Dunn, uh, he's more, uh, well known to me from the Martin, Martin Scorsese film After Hours. Okay. Uh, with him and, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, blonde actress. The Thing. Yeah, whatever. Right. Anyway, so I guess I interviewed David Gordon Green for that. And then uh, last week I interviewed uh, director Kimberly Pierce, who directed Boys Don't Cry. And she has a new film coming up called Stop Loss, which comes out in a couple of weeks as well. So I do have films ready to review. It's just they don't come out for a few weeks. Okay, but really, I want to hear about Horton Here's a Who. Because here's the thing. It's because it's either going to be good or it's going to be terrible, and either will be fine with me. It's good. You know, it's, it's a nice little family comedy. The problem is with, with, with adapting, especially Dr. Seuss' kids' books, is one, the book itself is probably, what, 20 pages, I think? Uh -huh. And you can't, it, it's really hard to, to stretch a film <laughs> Do out. like a 90-minute movie or something. Yeah. The, right. I will say this about, about this, the second adaptation of a Dr. Seuss book. I'm really glad they went with computer animation and stuck with a style of right. Dr. Seuss's animation. As opposed to animation. slapping Art. whiskers onto Mike Myers again? God, yeah. Oh, Have you bad. ever seen that movie? Oh, it's The terrible. Cat in the Hat? That's another one where I saw about nine minutes of it on HBO, and it was so terrible. it was like watching Freddy Got Fingered, where it yeah. was just so bad. <laughs> that you actually couldn't tear your eyes away from the screen. Another thing I would like to have seen with Horton here, now, now you know, it, 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 it's animated. Uh, Steve Carell and Jim Carrey do the main voices. Uh, but I would really have liked to have seen the script all done in rhyme. At least have a little bit of that Dr. Seuss right. zing on there. But it looks much better than Cat and Hat or even Grinch. Right. Um, and, uh, but still, you know, it's, it's okay. It's the kids. My kids enjoyed it, so yeah. I was happy. Having, having kids is like, uh, it's like being able to look through bar-lowering glasses. Well, yeah, kind of. But you know what? I, I, I can't say, I can't give it a pass because, oh, it is a kid's movie. Other great kid's movies, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, you know? Yeah. That, you know, Brad Bird and Pixar have raised the bar so high for kids' films that it's impossible to say, well, it's a kid's movie, so it's okay. It's like, no, huh? You know, don't just because it's for kids, don't pawn it off as being bad. Hey, did you bring a top five today? I did. Fantastic. But So we'll get to that as soon as...
sometimes we can so we don't give a hand. But listen, this is exactly like the absent thing. Listen to the, like that guy that was screaming about the harmonica on the phone. Listen yeah, to this. a little passionate. Rick, once again, you have proven yourself to be an ignorant American. Uh, you idiot. It is a digitaroo, not whatever you just mentioned. So this is where people have immediately and seemingly arbitrarily picked an answer about the instrument. Okay, someone really sent me a link thing, it. like it's confirmation that it is, because they found a bo uh, like you know, a board about Sanford and Son. It says, uh, sounds like a sex to me. I like that bass harmonica at the beginning. It okay. does, Somebody it, talking about it. It does sound a lot like a didgeridoo, though. Some, apparently there's a three-minute version of this song, too, that somebody, is, uh, that somebody has sent to me. Um, let's see. Are these extended versions of uh, TV theme shows? Uh, they're weird. No, no, no. Let me just say this. I, I interrupt Northern it. Exposure. You ever listen to oh. the complete version of that? That and, uh, you know what Mike Everhart dropped off yesterday in 45, before he started tending to shatter glass at KXL, is he dropped off the WKRP theme and the Laverne oh. and Thir Shirley theme on 45. I meant to bring him in today. I'll bring him in Monday. The Laverne and Shirley theme, the original version on 45, is great, because it's got this completely inappropriate sax break in the middle, and then like this weird disco beat that kicks in at the end, and then the WKRP full theme on 45 has all of these hidden verses that I've never heard before, not unlike the Cheers 200th uh, episode extended version. you um, got to burn me a disc with that. Oh, no, it's great. And then, the, and then it's, they both got flip sides, which are terrible. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got here Zappa, Boogie Nights, or Lost Boys. Anyone? Ooh, Lost Boys. There we go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Yes, is this the party to which I'm speaking? Yes, it is, voice number two. Thank you. I had a guy, by the way, at a bar, when I went to see Morgan uh, Grace, a guy didn't know, came up, and he's like, hey, you know, big fan, listen to the show, and I said, great, and he goes, I'm voice number two, by the way. So that is a, that's a thing that's <laughs> caught on. Yes, go ahead. Fantastic. Um, I was looking at those uh, internets here this afternoon and discovered Lost Boys 2 as a trailer, and um, it you, looks like going straight to DVD. And Lost Boys 2 does terrible. have Corey Feldman, does it? It has not? Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. Oh, both Corey Oh, I didn't know Corey Haim was in it, too. It's, well, yes, I've uh, sent you over the uh, MTV link just now that you can uh, All right, I'm take a look. I haven't seen it yet. Is it? Does it have whoever the other Frog Brother is? Well, they have a Frog Brother. It's on um, IMDb there. Right. Um. And I don't know if it's the exact same. But it does It does look terrible because I haven't seen the trailer. I've only you heard know, about it. The preview has pretty good production value. They're playing that uh, Cry Little Sister over the top of it, which yeah. you know, makes the movie. Totally. Um, but I don't know if they're going to incorporate that into the actual film. Well, because they I have seen to. It yet. They have to because that's obligatory. But they're I mean, showing that's, that's here as Jameson Newlander as Al, uh, Alan Frog because it was Edgar and Alan Frog. Right. Um, but I, I can't recognize if this is the same guy grown up or not. Well, because I mean, he's one of those guys. He's sort of like the Andrew Ridgely or something, or the Philip Michael Thomas of Lost Boys, where you're like, you know. Well, you got to have that guy, and you're going to know darn well if they pulled it back to the future on you and swapped her out. <laughs> totally, because, <laughs> because you're like, who is who is this other guy? Like the, all of those great partnerships have the other guy who is then just eternally referred to as the guy that's not like Don Johnson or whatever. Right. So, all right. I'll, yeah. uh, I, it looks like I did get your link, so we'll watch that. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah, it's a good thing. All right, bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, Rick, um, the uh, synthesizer that Zappa used was the Fairlight synthesizer. It had a lot of advanced features for its time. Right. 
And that might have been the one with the movie you were thinking about also. Uh, I don't believe so, but see, now I'm going to have to go home and watch the Boogie Nights commentary all the way through. It's like a three-hour film, because I don't know where he says it, just so I can figure out what the hell that instrument is. It's going to bug me all night long now. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. For, You're welcome. Bye. Are you talking Bye. about for the uh, carnival theme music? Yeah, the broken yeah, carnival music. Yeah. And I, it's just, it's a, see, but it's a thing that no one cares about but, like, me. Uh, and probably Timmy, and now it's going to bug me all day long. I always thought it was some sort of pump organ. <laughs> That's what she said. Hi, <laughs> you're on the... Wow. I... What is this, some kind of pump organ? Walk right into that. That's a... It's an upright organ, usually. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. That's a... Uh... Of course, sir. <laughs> That's, that, I can't even take credit for that. That's a Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> joke. Up, and I think I think it's from Meet Wally Sparks, where the woman oh, really? where the woman says uh, where he's like he's like he's in a he's like in a bar playing piano, and the woman says, "I just love a good pianist." And he says, "Would you like to play the upright organ?" Hi, ah, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yes, it's you, sir. Rick, Sarah, Timmy, how are you doing? Rick, the instrument in Boogie Nights is a Chamberlain. Yes, that's there it. You go. A Chamberlain. Yeah. Thank um, it's you. A, you're welcome. It's not John Bryan who's playing wow. it. It's some other guy, Michael Penn's Michael. friend. Okay. Um, God, he says it in the you. scene when Burt Reynolds is walking through the porno warehouse. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he goes to talk to Ricky Jay's character. Who's, who's editing the bad? It is what it is. editing the bad, Johnny whatever. Johnny God yeah. bless you. And first of all, let me just say it's great to meet somebody else who is an equally big fan of that film. Timmy, I would, I would say, I would say a complete oh, Paul Thomas Anderson geek. That's oh, what I would say. God bless you. Rick, Thank you, you look like you just passed the kidney stone. No, seriously. <laughs> it was bugging me. Sarah knows Man. how I obsess on things It like was this. bugging me listening to you just struggle through it because I'm like, I can help him. No, yeah. I saw you like obsessive compulsive being that about it, like Timmy's shirt. Yeah, totally. Like, you straighten your, your shirt. Next yeah. time you do that, I'm just going to take it off. Please don't do that. Totally All right. Nice. God bless you. Thank sir. you, guys. All Best right. show ever. Hey, hey, before you go. Yep. Hey, uh, I'll tell you what. Before you, thanks for helping us out. We're gonna, we're gonna roll the. Uh, we're just because we like you. We're gonna roll the. We're gonna roll the <laughs> thing that won't play because the Sanford and Son uh, YouTube video is still open. All right. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna roll the dice of destiny for you, sir. Okay. And uh, here's the thing. If a Prime number comes up. Oh, yeah. uh, sir, you will, in fact, win a copy of Into the Wild on DVD, as well as Dan in Real Life on DVD. Wonderful. Now on DVD and Blu-ray, High Def, Dan in Real Life, starring everybody's favorite funny man, Steve Carell. It's the hilarious comedy that Rolling Stone calls blissfully funny and touching. This is one movie you'll watch again and again. And Into the Wild, this captivating travelogue of a man who leaves everything behind to seek adventure, available on TV in HD DVD, March 4th from Paramount Vantage. All right, sir, are you ready to roll the dice? I am ready. Of destiny. If a prime number comes up, you will win this double pack. Here we go. What is that? Nine? Nine. Nine. Oh, I'm sorry. All no, right. Oh, wait, hold on. So now we get to... What? Your destiny. You will never win. There we go. That's awesome. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. What happened to us just actually giving things to people? No, poor guy helped you he out. Helped he you he out helped like... you pass your kidney stone, and you give him nothing. Seriously, that kind of sucks. I swear, I we never him... give away anything. Like sometimes it's okay to give away something, and then you like roll your stupid dice and give them a chance That's to like maybe a geek win dice something. Too. That's your geek dice. Uh oh. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> fine. Well, you tell me then. The next person we should give something to. Well, I think that was driving you crazy all day. Oh, by the way, my friend David sent me this. So tell me if you think this is what it is. This is what he thinks it is. No. Yeah, that's it. 
No, that's totally. No. From Boogie Nights? No, no, no. No, from oh, Sam Raimi's song. Okay. I'm still not totally convinced. Sorry. It's a chord harmonica. Chord? Chord harmonica. But like a lower register chord harmonica. That's totally it. I feel like I ought to be doing soft shoes. I could listen to that all day, actually. It's kind of relaxing. And we're done. All right. Where's a glass of lemonade when you need one? And now I feel like a jerk for not giving the guy the thing. No, I know that you're trying to... You're, that you, I'm trying you to know, be fair, though. It has sounds, and it has... But, but honestly, quite lo- can you remember the last time we gave something away? No, no, I can't. Okay. Uh, I, well, here's the thing. When I go... when I Because I was, for a moment, tempted to go like, thanks for answering the question, have a DVD. But when I do that... I then put myself in the position of the other listeners who are just like, jerk, you didn't... now you're just giving something to somebody. So I always kind of feel bad about it. And then well, also, we're allowed to give things to people. Uh, I suppose. And there's, the, there's that, too. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello? Hello. Hi. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, I have an interesting story about uh, the name Hooker. Okay. Is this about the general who gave hookers to his troops? Is it? Uh, well, no, it's it's about actually a, a descendant of him. On a scale of one to ten, how interesting would you believe the story to be? Let me wait. No, hold on, hold on. Here's the thing: you can either tell the story, or you can roll the dice of destiny for this DVD twin pack. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, I find it to be kind of an interesting story, but um, it just sort of illustrates what a white trash person I am. Really? So you'd rather tell the story than? Roll the dice of destiny for two DVDs. Okay, uh, roll roll the dice. <laughs> you chose wisely, now, my friend. Now he's just trying to be nice to me. All right, uh, sir. Okay, Sarah, should we do odds, evens, primes? You tell me. Let's do evens. All right, sir. If an even number comes up, you will win DV, uh, DVD copies of both Into the Wild and Dan in Real Life. Are you ready, sir, to roll the dice? Yes. Of destiny. <laughs> All right, here we go. Seven. Oh, you get nothing. I get what? Nothing. Nothing. You don't get to tell your story. It's a double whammy, man. All right. Oh, you win. Nothing. Let's take a break. Come back. Scott Daly, your top five. Got it. Fantastic. Back after this. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. My wife, she done left me for a plumber named Bill. I'm The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hi, Sarah. Wow. Hi, Rick. What are you doing this weekend? <laughs> hey, it kind of stinks in here, by the way. I don't know when the last time anybody left the studio and came back in was, <laughs> but as someone who just left and then re-entered, this studio smells bad today. I think it's the fridge. Uh-huh. <laughs> there, no, there's like ro- there's rotting alcohol in that fridge. I don't you think, must I don't think I'm all to <laughs> Last weekend I came in here and I, I had a nip of some boxed wine. It, this was late. And Classy. I, I opened it up and it didn't smell good. So, But you drank it anyway? Well, I'm talking about the fridge. Right. The alcohol tasted great. Are you prepared with your top five? Yes, sir, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five for Friday on the Rick Emerson five, radio program. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is excellent. 
All right, here is Scott Daly. Uh, this is the final time we're doing this. Yes, thank God. We're putting this uh, this whole concept <laughs> on ice after this for like a good six months. Very Scott good. Daly's top five TV theme songs of all time. All right, honorable mention goes to Doctor Who. Oh, now see this. So you, it was it was inevitable that somebody would bring up uh, the Doctor Who theme, and, um, and I think playing. It's not playing. And uh, right. is it? Uh, I tested it too. Is it playing? There we go. There it is. All right. Now this is this is the this is making Seamus very happy. By oh, the way. Oh, good. I'm, I'm always glad yeah. to make Seamus happy. Uh, this is actually the theme to the most recent Doctor Who. I'm not the biggest Doctor Who fan. I enjoy the show, but this is a great, great piece of music. No, it is. It's a, it's pretty legendary too in yeah. certain circles. Yeah, and it really is. And uh, this is actually the for the original series in '66, I believe. This is the first time electronic music was used for a TV theme. Which I thought was very interesting. I'm not like a big Doctor Who fan, but I certainly recognize the importance to the genre. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan. I, I, I've enjoyed the last couple uh, incarnations of it, um, but I haven't seen anything recently. But it, it, it's, a, it's a fine show, but I'm not a huge fan. But I really like this music. Excellent. Counting on Scott Daly's top five TV theme songs of all time. Mike Post. Mike Post strikes again. Wait, what is this? Come on, Rick. Come on, Rick. I got Come things on, to Rick. remember. I got to remember the Chamberlain. I am really disappointed in you. I thought you nailed this. I don't even know. The Rockford Files. Oh, yeah, see, yeah. I'm not a big Rockford Files fan. I'm not either, but the, the theme is fantastic. For, when you said Mike Post, I immediately was, for some reason, I thought you were going to do the Simon and Simon theme for <laughs> I was waiting for that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. No, I, I, it was a toss-up for number, my number five spot between yeah. this and uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. No, Rockford Files. Couldn't figure it out, but listen that. to that. Welcome Back, Cotter. Boy, that's one of the saddest theme songs ever. This is, you know, I, I actually have to, that was James Garner. Yeah, Rockford yeah, Files. Yeah. Not a big Rockford Late Files 70s. watcher. My older brother watched it. I never really did. Um, I don't think anyone in my family really watched it, but I do remember watching it occasionally and just loving this music. Private Detective? Uh, yeah, pri- yeah. Pri- Private Guy. Uh, this actually, this song actually went to number 10 on the Billboard charts in 73. Really? I believe. Yeah, and also won a Grammy. What a stupid era that was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesus. and Scott Daly's top five TV theme. Number four. I don't think anything is necessary for this one. Oh, yeah. This went to number one. Number one in 1985. That's this right. may be the last instrumental ever to go to number one. Or, or maybe it was Axel F after this. Nah, this was this one number one eighty five. Axel F was eighty four. This so may be the exactly. last instrumental to ever hit number one in America. And when Michael Mann hired John Hammer to do the music for Miami Vice, he gave him complete creative control. Whatever you want, you do it. He made it happen. It's not bad actually. I mean, you can tell what. It's dated in the sense that you can certainly tell when it was recorded, mm-hmm. but it's still a. It's yeah. still a good piece of music in it its really way. Is. Yeah. It really is. I, and I, but as I was looking through this, I found Crockett's theme. Remember Crockett's yeah. theme? Yeah. Oh, we used to, we I used to use Crockett's theme on this show as our Zen music when things were getting oh, too that's crazy, right. That's right. and we that's would right. play Crockett's theme yeah. as like our calm down music. Yeah. It was it was fun finding this Lord one because I was going through. Uh, you this know. soundtrack was so terrible. It had Grandmaster Flash and <laughs> Grandmaster Melly Mel. I had this soundtrack and I also had my advice the second soundtrack. Oh man. Oh yeah. You still have it? Uh, somewhere. Excellent. I'll have to pull my parents. Scott Daly's top five TV theme songs of all time. Number three. I wish I had the dialogue for this one. To go over go over the top of it. The anticipation is killing me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, where did you get this from? This is the A-Team, right? A-Team, yeah. yeah. Where, from where did you get this? I grabbed this off iTunes. Uh, but sadly, I was hoping it would have the narration no. over the top. Can you do the narration? Oh. 
something odd. In 1971, a crack military unit was sentenced to prison for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security wing and escaped to the LA underground where they survived by uh, soldiers of fortune. If you need help, if you're in trouble, and if no, if you you can find them. Something, if no one can help you, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the AC. All right, well, I got like 80% of it. This is so great. This is a great theme. This really yeah. is, this is not the original though. This is a, this is a cover. This, this is, is a, a cover. this is a, this is not the original theme with the the, the narration date. Now this is a reworking of it the is. theme. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. Well done. Wow. Counting right. down Scott Daly's top five TV theme songs of all time. Number two. Composed by Stu Phillips, who also did music for the Monkees. Yeah. Oh, man. The original Battlestar Galactica theme. This uh, they brought this back. In the new series, yes, as like did. the um, when they did the documentary, yeah, whatever, or the colonial, whatever, the history of the colonial, yeah, and they were they were in the the uh, the, the synchronized and flying they also had, I think they had a little bit of the razor too, yeah. I uh, I, I love this. Song. I, I still really scene. lament not using the new Battlestar theme in my list. This um, is really good. Yeah, thank you, man. I and love this. this. I remember seeing this seeing the show. I was like eight when it came out. You know, just on the on the, on the height of Star Wars. And it's like, oh, cool. And I just, I remember just loving, as an eight-year-old kid, just absorbing it's this It's a theme. really good theme. Yeah. All right, number one, I have no idea. I have no guess. I know. I yeah. Twin Peaks? Yes. Yeah, All right, I should have known. Right. And I, I, I hate to steal one from Sarah, but... Well, you and I have always discussed our mutual yeah. love of Twin Peaks. Yeah, and this this is such a beautiful piece of music. It's so great. Uh, Very evocative. Composed by the great Angelo Badalamonte, who has worked with Lynch on every single film he's done. Um... This also won a Grammy for Best Pop Instrumental, 1990. This is still a really, really great theme. Beautiful. Well done. Good list. Battlestar Galactica, the original Battlestar. That's yeah, good. Thank you. Um, this, there is a version of the song with lyrics by uh, Julie Cruz. Really? Who has right? called Falling, exactly. And it's really beautiful. She has a beautiful voice. It's like that version of the Star Trek theme with lyrics. She has an eerie voice. Oh, it's so cool. She, I saw her, actually, Dante's a few years ago. Really? It was great. She signed our CD and everything. It was a lot of fun. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, I just love this song. Well done. Thank you. All right, take a break. Come back. Wrap it up after this. Like is at 3, Donna Mike at 7. Uh, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court. Sarah, you rock. They didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Yeah. Sweet. That is so yeah. right. Good. good job, sir. Okay, but now can I just make an observation about that, then, before we do this? So they're making an A-Team movie, are they not? There's talking. It, it's in developmental. But they're going to do right another now. hokey, corny. Yeah, John Singleton. Can I, ju- to it. can I just say this? Can I put this out there? Would it not be great... To uh, for, to lose the irony and do a flat out like balls out uh, badass eighteen. That's the way they better do it. And I, I don't mean. See it and like I don't that. mean like you know the original show was really kitschy. I mean, let's not be, let's not delude ourselves. I'm not some nostalgic. But it, was, it was intentionally kitschy, totally. right? Yeah, yeah, and I'm not one of those guys that like thinks it was art. I mean, the original A-Team was campy. It was not, I mean, B.A. Baracus, enough said. It was not supposed to be a serious show. <laughs> it would be an interesting twist, though. To maybe keep a little bit of dark humor in it, but actually make a flat-out, full-on action film quality. Uh, a quality. It would be un- it would be interesting I'll, at least I'll to prob- see them try to tackle it head-on and make it good. I'll probably get hate mail for this, but just like Michael Mann did with Miami Vice. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, no, no, no. He, and, he didn't take himself too seriously. And you know what? It was a good movie. And you know, Miami Vice, uh, the film, uh, was flawed, not perfect. But you yeah. know what? I admire him for trying to do trying to do it straight on exactly. and make a good film out of it. You know that's not going to happen, though. They're going to have like Ice Cube and like uh, Ashton Kutcher and, and Will, Robin Williams. And Will Ferrell. Right. They're going to be in the, the new A-team. You know that's what's going to happen. Are you hiding something from me over there? No, you guys never stop talking, so I can never interject. Oh. I wanted to show you. Oh, the front of the KX. Wow. Owned. Dude. Wait, you know, wait, wait, I've wait, been wait. to that lobby a couple times. It was a very nice lobby. Right, they were aiming for you. Yeah, look at that. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> wow. Thank That's... God there was no one standing there. Yes. No there are kidding. two side doors to get in and out of the building, though, and a back door. Those wires have a secret door. Someone was jamming a car into the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> that car was really XL. <laughs> So anyway, we got a couple minutes. Here. You want to like pick up? So what, what are you doing this weekend, Sarah? <laughs> I don't know yet. Well, should we do these calls? Yeah. All right, I'm trying to get these done. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Rick, what's up? What do you got, brother? Did anybody mention the theme from uh, Buck Rogers? Uh, I certainly didn't. I mean, a good theme, but I, I didn't bring it up. I didn't. I didn't lament not doing it. If that's what you're asking. Okay. Well, the geeks are upset. Well. What, what, at what point, in, let's be honest, aren't geeks always upset about something? <laughs> really, come That's on. That's true. I mean, yeah. log on to Ain't It Cool right now, and you'll see eight or 9,000 things that geeks are upset about. The fanboys director's cut has been ruined. Yeah, so, you're right. All right. You're Th right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Whatever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, how's it going, you guys? Hey. Hi. Hey, hey, Scott Daly. I really liked your list. I thought it was right on. Man. Oh, thanks, man. Excellent. Outstanding. Hey, Thank uh, you. I, I, I had a question, oh, a couple questions, quick ones for you. You know when uh, Diary of the Dead is supposed to be put out on DVD? Uh, it came out in theaters a few weeks ago. I would imagine probably really? DVD I, by... I didn't even care enough to note that it was in theaters. Did I review it? I know. Yeah. I, he I, came I, in and talked about it. But I don't remember, but I thought it was still, like, still I, to be released. I would imagine probably May or June at the latest. Oh. Okay. Hey, yeah, get in line now. Hey, hey and real fast, uh, if, if they did make an 18 movie, who do you guys think would be the best to make uh, B.A. Baracus? There's talks of Ice Cube playing B.A. Baracus. <laughs> <laughs> Are you effing kidding no, me? No, I'm not. And because John Singleton is is, is attached to I vote right now for Carl Weathers. No, no. Oh, no. Well, well, Carl Weathers would be good, but the guy from the Green Mile, too. Oh, uh, Kingpin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Ving Rams. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, party party uh, foul oh. confuses black guys. Damn. All right. Uh, thank you, sir. All right, we'll make that the last call. Uh, what's up on Film Fever Radio? Film Fever Radio this week. Uh, Aaron, because Aaron was out sick, the show was in my hands. And so uh, we have posted my both both my interviews with David Gordon Green, the director of uh, Snow Angels, and Kimberly Pierce, the director, uh, writer and director of Stop Lots. It'll be up uh, within the within the next few hours. So awesome. it's uh, it's just me, so 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 bear with me. All right, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, James Roop, Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio, and... Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think that was it today. And uh, we thank Timmy Ryan. I, yeah, Timmy Ryan, ladies hey. and gentlemen. Let's give it up to Timmy Ryan. They're big shoes to fill. So well done. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 70 Solid State Radio in the newsroom today. Timmy Ryan on the phones. Richard Bristol. Dave's in as the gatekeeper. Bridget from upstairs is the webmistress. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Like us next. Donna Mike at 7. Have a good weekend. We'll see you Monday at 10 for the recap at 11 for the show. Uh, don't let the bastards get in. You're listening to snakes and stuff. You know, do the rest. Bye. <laughs> now. Choose your destiny. You will never win. Woo!